good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon to you. I was being, uh, I've been California centric with you and, and not acknowledging that you have a different time of day there. That's right. I apologize for that. No I, owe, I owe you an amends. <laughs> that's, that's one of the steps, right? Isn't that a that's step? Step one, yeah. Or step no, eight, in Ohio, know. in Ohio, basically everyone's in, in some part of AA. We're, we're all just always apologizing. Are you in Ohio now? Oh, yeah. I'm Here I am. I'm reporting live from the floor in Ohio. You sound good. Thank you very much. I feel great. Did I ever tell you that story? One time, uh, we were helping my grandma move, and we're in Clearwater, and we walk into a liquor store, as you do, my mom and me. You can't, you can't help but walk into a liquor store. Yeah. I got a lot of stories about liquor stores. But we walk into a liquor store, because why? Because they got the best boxes for moving, right? Life hack. So we walk in there, and we walk... This is, this is a true story. We walk up to the liquor store, dude. And my, uh, my mother says, um, I'm sorry, is there any chance that you have uh, some boxes that we could take for moving? A hand of God, he turns to her and says, are you from Cincinnati, Ohio? What? what? And she said, yes, are you a wizard? And he said, no, it's just that uh, people from Cincinnati are the only people I know who begin their sentences with, I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 dun, 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 dun. oh that's good that's pretty good i got a lot of a lot of anecdotes <clears throat> well i'm having a stellar day yeah oh man i got it going on here well obviously <sighs> i got up at a decent time you sound great you sound really good do i really positive oh thank you so much i'm positively a mess no i feel good <laughs> i uh strung like bull yes i uh, we have a new technology in our house that we acquired uh, that I'm really enjoying. You are and texting it, your daughter now. Oh God. Is that I, the technology? Well, that's, that's an amazing new technology. <laughs> oh my goodness. It really feels different now. Yeah. I can talk about that a little. Uh, no, we have the Hamilton beach dual breakfast sandwich maker in our house. Now the say this again, it's in the notes, Hamilton beach, dual breakfast sandwich maker. I know this is not going to be probably <laughs> on the face of it, a good thing for you. But, but could you, did you see it? Easily make two delicious hot breakfast sandwiches at a time using your favorite bread, meat, and other ingredients in under five minutes with the Hamilton Beach Breakfast Sandwich Maker. Its innovative it, design yeah. cooks every sandwich layer to perfection. Watch yes, the video. It's model, model, model 25490. <laughs> the dual breakfast sandwich maker. It's affordable. I'll say that. It was affordable. I, I needed to, well, honestly, I needed to round up uh, an, an order for uh, Prime now. And I thought, you know what? I, I want to eat more in the morning. And, you know, you know, if you're a nerd, you like to have a dingus. Right. So yeah, this, you can't just eat more. You've got to have a machine <laughs> to help you. <laughs> Life hack. Life hack. <laughs> uh, no, that's true. Like, why would I need a brain if I could have an appliance? Yeah, yeah why just <laughs> eat two slices of bread? Get a machine to mash them together with some, you know, eggs in the middle. I can see I haven't sold you yet on the Hamilton Beach Dual Breakfast <laughs> no. Sandwich Maker. I would like to you understand learn what more. the dual what the dual stands for. It makes. I'm probably two. saying that wrong because I'm from Ohio. I'm sorry. It's not a dual as like Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr. It's a dual. It's a dual <laughs> breakfast. It's a Hamilton Beach Dual Breakfast Sandwich Maker Model Two Five Four Nine Zero. Two Five Four Nine Zero. So here's what you do. You, you, you get to dingus. It, it looks kind of like, how would you describe it? I mean, it, it kind of looks like what you'd expect. Well, to me, it looks like it is a distant cousin of what most people will know when I say the George Foreman. It looks like a distant cousin of a George Foreman uh, yes. thing. Yeah, maybe. It's maybe a double-decker. 
double deck. It's a, like, like maybe it's a, it's a distant relative. Maybe lives uh, somewhere fancy on the East Coast. Right. <laughs> dual, dual breakfast sandwich maker. So what you got is you got a little griddle on the top and the bottom. Okay, you know what it is? It looks like, yeah, like a, like a waffle iron kind of. Yeah. George Foreman grill. You ever have a George Foreman grill? Yes. Boy, those things are hilarious. They, the, little, the little grease thing moves and you get grease all over your counter. <laughs> Remember that? They can make literally any kind of food taste really, really burnt and dry. Yeah, yeah. You know what's nice about that is it doesn't really get hot enough to do anything useful. So it's really kind of, it's mostly like an unhygienic jerky machine. Much <laughs> Which like myself at 13. <laughs> <laughs> Which is to say all jerky machines, by the way. <laughs> did you do a podcast with Dr. Dawn about that? <laughs> yes, I did. Did you do a hygienic uh, jerky podcast? A jerky, yes. Jerky. You like when people call it a pod? You like that? Uh, no. Like, although, like when people say, I enjoyed your pod? No, but I like your pods that you were showing me before the show. Oh, oh, yeah. We'll, we'll circle we'll back to that. that. We'll get that. Okay, so this is the Hamilton Beach Do-All Breakfast Sandwich Maker Model 25490. <laughs> and think of it like a waffle iron, because I know this is this is theater of the mind. So you got, it's almost like a waffle iron. You got a hot thing on top, hot thing on the bottom. So what, right? It's got a hinge. And then in between, there's circular dingai that, that you can lift. So I don't know if you can tell, but but so what the idea is, you put the, let's say you're going to make a canonical uh, egg muffin style breakfast sandwich. And so you put you put your bread. I, I know I'm over explaining this because you're looking at it right now. But you basically put your bread uh, the the heel at at the bottom. On top of that, you put any fixins. Now here's here's a, here's a life hack for you. I use Canadian bacon, which is already round. But uh, if you want the, the the best performance characteristics, I would say cut your cheese using a small. <laughs> <laughs> we're gr- make, we're grown ups here. Make a cheese disc <laughs> by pushing down like a small drinking glass to make yeah. a perfectly circular cheese. Otherwise, it gets all over over the all over the bottom and burns. And your daughter complains. Oh. I hear. What's in the comments? And then you have this thing on top of it. That, that, I don't need to explain this anymore. Basically, you drop an egg in. You, you, depending on how you want the yolk, you can smash it up. Drop in some salt, and then you, you put it down. And then you set a timer. And in like four and a half minutes, you have two perfect breakfast sandwiches. Well, here, okay, so here's a question, and I, yeah. I have, I'm adding this particular image that I'm looking at into the show notes. The show notes mm-hmm. will be found at 5by5.tv slash b2w slash 265. It shows in this stack that they've created here, it looks like they're using an English muffin as the bread. Yes. And it shows on the, bo- on the bottom stack, there's the English muffin, it's got some cheese, it's got some ham. Then layer- yeah, it looks like they got a Canadian bacon and some probably shredded cheddar. Yeah, and then you'll it, know them from their song. We're not going to take it. It, sh- it shows the egg being perfectly, you know, made a perfectly fried sunny side up egg, and then it shows the English muffin sort of attached to the top part. Yeah, does it do that for you, or is that just sort of no? Uh, there's 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 numerous numerous things about this photo that are absolutely inaccurate. Okay. There's no way that you could have a cook an egg cook in the middle part before the cheese had melted on the bottom. Not to get all John Syracuse here. And then and oh, oh and by the way, it's not a gravity defying device. Right. There isn't there is there's no there's no maglev that causes the uh the, the the crown of the bun to be attached to the dingus. That's inaccurate. Now on the other side, that's the recto. Then on the verso over here, you've got the healthy option where somebody's got looks like a whole wheat muffin, which mm-hmm. is which is a literal abortion. And then they've got looks like maybe some uh, some basil and a little bit of some kind of fancy cheese mm-hmm. and a, a too thick slice of red pepper. And then their perfect sunny side egg and the maglev uh, crown. 
So, but, but it's pretty amazing. And so, so my point is like, and I've got some hacks. I've got some hacks for how I do this. I have some ways that I've, I've already enhanced this process, including making the, the perfect circular uh, cheese uh, thing. Okay. But no, I had a sandwich this morning, so I feel pretty good. Yeah. It's just, just pretty one good. Or both, you had both sandwiches. Well, if you're curious, I used the dual mechanism, but what I did was, uh, now I'm, I'm working, this is, this is a, they call it a life hack. What I do is I start by toasting the nooks and cranny side mm. face down. So you get that kind of toasty, because that's the part you want toasty. You don't really want the outside to be toasty, right? Oh, I see what you mean. You want kind of just the inside of what I would think of as the inside of the muffin. The inside, the nooks and cranny part. Yeah, okay. Uh, and so I'll toast that. And and then I'll then I'll go into the proper uh, egg assembly uh, process. But it's good. I had that. I had some coffee. I got up early. Took took a little walk with my daughter this morning, and uh, it's been a nice day. Is uh, this spring break? It is spring break. Yeah, she that's eats, another uh, reason you're getting a good sleep. Mm, I wouldn't say that. No, no, my sleep's not great. Um, she uh, she's an engineering camp, so that's good. Oh wow! <laughs> really for the spring break week. Yeah, for a few days, for a few days. She she's she doesn't like doing things, so I'll I but I have to quote unquote work right for a few days and then I'll hang out with her. Yeah. Um so yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty 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 good. And she got an iPod like touch. Yes, well, the the I I think it was it last show we were talking about how my boy has one of those and how it's just I've been tweeting occasionally the text between me and him and and I'm so glad to see you guys got one yeah i i think i am really glad too um it's great it's like a whole new you a whole new thing it is a whole new thing and i i don't want really to get too far into it because we could talk about the whole show about it because there's there is actually a lot of things that have been interesting and unexpected to me one of which is and you know sorry we haven't complained about apple in a, in a while setting up the family sharing thing I mean, I'm already so scared to change anything because I use my phone for two-factor authentication. And I don't even, I, I've been really safe. I've been really good. I use 1Password, but I still worry about anything going wrong with my phone Me too. that would cause it to not work with two-factor authentication. And I actually think about it a lot. Um, you know, because it's a good idea to have two-factor authentication wherever you can. But, you know, I, I worry about changing things. I do too. So I set up the family sharing thing. And then I got to go in and create a, a, a child account for her. Mm-hmm. Which was not like too horrible, but now you're also getting, do you ever get into that thing where you get that mystery me pop up? It seems fairly innocuous and it's like, okay, if you change this device, you won't be able to add another one for 90 days or whatever. I have seen that. It seems like it's been a while since I. We accidentally, we accidentally got that on, um, the iPad two that she's used for a while and, and boy, is it a pain in the butt. Mm. Then on top of it all, I signed up for the Apple Music family thing. That's a no-brainer, right? Like she listens to music all the time. That was the that was it was my wife's idea in some ways to get this. She said, "Let's get her an iPod." And I was like, "Well, we're getting an iPod. We might as well get an iPod Touch." Because then I don't want to be in the business of syncing up music, right? But but now I'm right back with the whole music thing again because I I have not been able to figure out a way to have her on Apple Music. So if you have Apple Music as as part of a family subscription, that's all good. So far so good. You can share purchases. This is great. Ask permission and all that stuff. That's kind of a donkey drill, a lot of password entry, but whatever. That's cool. But when you've got the or the Apple Music family sharing, if you want to have the stuff on your device, you have to turn on iCloud Music Library. Mm-hmm. If you turn on, which is different from iTunes Match, if you, so I have iTunes Match, and in the past, she's been listening to my versions of a bunch of like MP3s and Harry Potter books and stuff. 
I don't know if this is making sense, but but so I thought it was going to be pretty easy. But like once you have iCloud Music Library turned on, you can't do like ad hoc adding of songs anymore because now you you're in the Apple Music universe and that's it. So unless oh, yeah. I also signed her up for iTunes Match and somehow got all the stuff into her cloud, that didn't work. So it was, it was kind of weird and, and a little bit of a pain. And then I, uh, you know, I tried to read lots of stuff about the best restrictions to have on and stuff like that. I, I installed OneBlocker on there, right? Like, like on all of our devices. Yeah, you've got to. And OneBlocker is pretty good. Is that what you use? Yeah, we use OneBlocker. I'm just checking to see if I use that. If I still use Pure Purity, Purify. No, that one's gone. It's all OneBlocker. Yep. One blocker gives you a lot of flexibility. I think it's what Marco moved to after Peace, right. I believe, after he uh, pulled Peace. That sounds uh, right. But yeah, one blocker is pretty great because it'll go in and like you know, I, you know, I'm sorry, I don't love the idea of taking food out of somebody's mouth, but the the like, using most websites on an iOS device just became impossible. Like I, I notice the difference very much when I'm in a web view versus when I'm in Safari, because the web views do not get covered by one blocker, but Safari does. So man, I just cannot believe it's just constant pop-ups and constant like subscribe to our app or whatever. It's really terrible. Yeah, one blocker is uh, for sure. I still have Purify, but I don't think I'm using that for some reason. But I went in and, you know, I I turned on, obviously shut off all the objectionable objectionable stuff. There's still more I need to do, but, um, you know, my wife, uh, understandably, she's she's very concerned, doesn't want her going out and seeing unsavory stuff. Well, you can even, if you want, you can completely turn off like Safari if you want, which is actually what what I did still, but he, like he has it on his iPad. He's had an iPad forever. Well, but that's where I struggle though, because I mean, I'm trying to really weigh, uh, the sort of like protective parent, fretful parent angle versus why I wanted to use this thing, which is, yeah, yeah. I wanted to use it cause it's fun, but you know, you can already see, I guess you saw the screenshots I put up. Like she's already like getting pretty good at this, mm-hmm. at, like how to use this. And I want her to like look things up on Wolfram Alpha. Like I want her to Google things. Like I, I want everyone to Google things. I love you guys, but please Google things. I want her to get in the habit of going, if I don't know what this thing is, I can find it. And here's how. I could buy her a series, I could buy her world book encyclopedias and feel really smug about it, but that's not how people are going to find information in 15 years. So anyway, that was part of the, part of the, the thought experiment. But yeah, it's very interesting. She really, really loves, she was so happy. I mean, she was like, she was like a little kid. It was really great. And then she loves that we got a little funny case for it. And then we're trying to like figure out what the sort of the rules, if you like, are. You know what I mean? There's the usual admonishments about like, you don't do devices at, you know, at dinner time or when we're, it's homework or whatever. And then the phone, I learned this, I think from, I want to say Jason Snell. No, Syracuse told me this, like, you know, charge it at night somewhere that's not their room, which I think is a good idea. You know what I mean? Like after bedtime, it's not, it's yeah, not okay to use the yeah, phone. We've had, we have like a place where we charge all the iPads that sort of over on a unused counter sort of space. And his, I mean, he's, but he's had an iPad since he was like two and a half, three. Yeah. So for I, him, it's just like old hat. I think it's a good thing, but you know, I want, I want to, I want to try the experiment of her having this, as they say, personal device. And I, yeah. I'm, you know, I've told her like, I'm, you know, going to watch what you're doing with it. And, but you know, the thing is, I don't think that's going to be a huge concern for at least a year or so, because she's perfectly happy to skip past, you know, sexy stuff and TV shows, which we do, you know, or, you know what I mean? Like stuff where you're like, well, uh, this Parks and Rec is really good, but we're going to skip this scene. Mm-hmm. And she's totally okay with that. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But I, I don't know. I, I, this is all part of Merlin 2016 and like trying to figure out how to stay 
Natana, you know, it, I, it sounds like I'm trying to say I don't want to turn into an old man, which is true. I don't want to turn into an old man, but it, it is something actually more, there's more of a value to it than just wanting to feel contemporaneous in my beetle wig. It's also that like, it's important to me to be able to keep up because it's important to her to keep up. And, and I don't want her to feel constrained by my own. I, we've talked about this a lot, but I don't want her to feel constrained by my own misunderstandings that are 30 years old rather than how things actually are right now, because that feels safe. That feels protective, but that's not actually useful. Because if you don't actually understand what's actually going on, being what you consider to be conservative, you could be overlooking an entire thing that could be really good or is currently very bad. So you have to make yourself stay up on things, you know? That's how I feel anyway. But So he likes it, huh? He likes his. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he, you, it, what, what I tried to do with this was to make it a, a single-purpose device. So the only thing he uses, because I had this iPod touch forever and it was like the lowest end one. And I forget why I even got it. And maybe I was reviewing it for a show. I don't even remember, but I pulled this thing out and I, I pretty much disabled everything on it with the exception of like messages. So it has like one thing in the doc messages and I added me and I added my wife do you do VIPs or how do you do that? Uh, I think it only has the two contacts. That's all we've got right yeah. now on hers. Yeah. And, and, and so I gave it to him and I said, look, you know, like you can, you can text me with this if you want. And when I first gave it to him, he it was about a year or so ago and he wasn't that into it now. But then I think around the time he turned eight, he was like all of a sudden that like it clicked, it clicked for him that it could, this could be useful. And he's already right. using it uh, as, a, as, a, as a way to like, he'll ask me something if he's been told no by his mom. He'll oh, ask yeah. me on, on chat, like, oh, can I do this <laughs> thing? And like if I, I, first few times, like, yeah, that sounds fine. And then I'd get home and my wife would be like, why did you tell him he could do that? I'm like, well, I, I don't know. She's like, well, I told him he couldn't. Until he, you know, whatever, finished his homework or did whatever, you know, and I'm like, oh, right. So, so now I, I, you know, now he doesn't, Idiot. yeah, now he doesn't <laughs> ask anymore, but you know, but like, that's all, that's all it's for. It is, it is a one task device. Like he want, you want to text dad, he'll come home from school, he'll go and get it and he'll text me and be like, hey, the music on it. Nope. Hmm. Nope. He has his iPad for all of that stuff. Oh, sure. So his iPad, which is like two generations back, my old one. Uh, he he uses that for pretty much everything else. All his games, uh, his... Oh, I see the else. breakdown. That's why with just one app. Okay, okay, that makes sense. That so makes he's, sense. so it's like, and, and people are listening saying, uh, Dan, you know you can use messages on an iPad too, right? And the answer is yes. And he also knows that. He does not want to use it that way. He wants them to be separate. Again, like let's let's try to update beyond how we use it and how we think on about it being people in our 30s, 40s and 50s. Right. Let's try to look at this the way these devices want to be used and the way that they will be used by somebody who's not our age. Right. And it's very different if you keep saying if you keep pointing at everybody and going, "Well, that you know you could do this, you know, professor actually." Like, no, like, <laughs> like why don't you just instead like like let this person figure out how they want to use it. And I actually have an anecdote here that I mean, this is, you know, selfishly, this has made me extremely happy. For a long time, I've been really trying to say to her, hey, look, you know, anytime you want, like we bought our Fisher-Price camera when she was little. Oh, yeah, we did too. And um, one of those really rugged cameras. 
and put an iFi card in it and stuff like that. But uh, I've been trying to say all along, hey, you know, you know, you can make movies with this. Mm-hmm. You can do stuff with photos. And I didn't want to beat it to death because the worst thing you can do with a kid is like, you know, not the worst thing. There's You could put them in a meat grinder. That would be terrible. Mm-hmm. But one of the bad things you can do is become such an advocate for this one thing you want them to do that you've, 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 you've basically slaked it with nerd. Like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to make a movie. Stop talking. But the funny thing happened was now she got the camera and just for fun, I went and got iMovie and put it on there. And I thought, okay, I'm going to try and be cool about this. I said, just so you know, you've been taking movies, you've been taking tons of photos in the last two, three days. And I opened up iMovie and I showed her really, all you got to do is hit this little icon and that drops in the film. This is a transition, like, like a wipe in Star Wars. Like she knows wipes from Mm -hmm. Star Wars. She knows match cuts. She knows what these things are. And, uh, (laughs) and so, and she's like, oh. And now, now that that is what she does in the evening. She still plays video games in the afternoon and stuff. But if we've got like, you know, it's vacation time right now. She loves making trailers. And last night she did something that made me so happy. She was being real weird. She's in her pajamas, getting ready. It was bedtime, right? And uh, she starts walking around the house taking pictures of herself in action poses and right. has me take some pictures in action poses. She t- takes pictures of the three of us. She takes pictures of the cat. And she made us use the superhero trailer. You know how you can make trailers in iMovie? <laughs> yes. She and she made a movie out of all almost all footage that she had just shot oh, that night. Oh my to gosh. What all those would be. And, and then some pictures of Pusheen and and her and her best friend. But that made me feel really good because I'm like, yeah, see, like that's that's what the iPad is great at. Is like that ability. It's not just for consuming. You can make stuff too. And you know, it's not good fellas, but like that's a great place to start is getting your hands around that stuff, you know? Love it. And and you know what? It's it like it is all about just starting out of being like, you know what? Here's this thing. It can do lots of stuff. Use it how you want to use it. Figure out the way that makes sense for you, that works for you, because there isn't like a right or wrong way. And I think of it in my own life of like, no, I there's the right way. This is what I do here. This is what you should do here. But I try not to like express any of that to him really because I'm always curious like how what will this be for him and let him define what it what it will become for him. I think that's you know trying to keep that idea in mind and have your behavior reflect that is more difficult than it sounds because our impulse think about all of our impulses in the last even 15 20 years. <clears throat> oh my God, no. You, like you get a job and they're like, oh, do you want to have a desktop or a laptop? I was like, of course I want a desktop. Right. Like the most powerful thing I can get because <laughs> laptops are lame and they don't, you know, they're toys. And then like, you know, you get a MacBook Pro and you're like, wow, this is pretty amazing. It's right. like, well, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you used to do on a desktop you can do on a MacBook Pro. A lot of stuff you can do on a MacBook Pro you can do pretty well on an iPad, I- iPad Pro. Not everything, but that's the art. The artfulness is figuring out, you know, what you can do. But it was, it was actually kind of cool though because <clears throat> you have those occasions, you know, three times a year where it does feel like something out of an Apple commercial where she had this device for two days. She'd been taking pictures, like taking tons of pictures, making videos while she's in the car, like whatever. I spent seriously like less than two minutes, probably like one minute showing her just like, here's how the app works. It's pretty intuitive to use. And then she's making movies and then she's throwing it. She's exporting it. I showed her how to export it. She exports it to the photo app and then throws it to the Apple TV through AirPlay and we get to watch it. Love it. And it's like, that's, you know, to me, like, that's, it, that's hard to argue with. Like, you know, to have the benefits of that ecosystem when it works is, uh, is pretty incredible. And uh, I don't know. I just, it's something I really feel like it's, of all the things I fail at all the time, one of the things I, I feel like it should not be that difficult. As somebody who, who is a technology enthusiast, a consumer technology enthusiast, like, I, I want to be careful not, not to send 
the totally wrong message and not to like scotch her interest in this stuff yeah. by either being too, too enthusiastic or too like cautionary about it. And because I mean, you know, there's always, I mean, like it's like, if you get in a, get in a car, like put on the seatbelt, like that's smart. That's a good thing. If they're under 80 pounds, you use a car seat. Like there's all kinds of things where you're like, that's not difficult to do. And you're being safe. That's a good thing. Does that mean you'll never die in a car crash? Well, God forbid, but it could happen. But does that mean you never drive a car just because that's the only way you're ever going to get to live forever? Well, I don't want that message to yeah, be the I don't message live that way. I don't want to live that way. I want to live that way. Well, I, I live that way. I have a question for you. Yes, you there. As uh, well for our our um, Macintosh uh, life hacks segment that mm-hmm. we've been we've been working on. Uh, it, it's a good tangent to what you're talking about because you were talking about the family sharing thing. What we have right now is a complete failure of all all of that and i so i have like an icloud account that's the account that i use to like buy stuff on itunes and buy apps and other things and so to install this to install apps and things on like my son's ipad or whatever mostly games i would just log in as me and buy it and install it that's the that's not the right way to do it right that's the wrong way to do it I should be using a, fa- well, a family plan. Is that right? And is there a way, like, should I decouple? Like, because I use my iCloud account for email and I use it for other things too. Like, I kind of want to get rid of that baggage. Like, should I transition that away? Like, how does it all work? I've never really investigated this and it sounds like you have. Well, uh, I do not have all the answers, but I can underscore the parts of this, the, the couple of handful of things that are amazingly well implemented and the numerous things that are extremely in- confusing, difficult, dangerous, and or impossible. Thank you. Yes, this is what I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, like I, I started buying, well, let's, let's, you know, look, start at the beginning, which is that I don't think there's a way, if there's a way to transfer purchases from one Apple ID to another, I don't know how to do that. I don't that. think you can do it. But so for, for the sake of this argument, let's just say that I'm going into this with the understanding that you cannot take uh, 180 movies and move it to a different account. Right. So, so I've, got, I've had, for the, from the days of um, like MobileMe, you know, .Mac, I've had, let's call it, in retrospect, let's call it Merlin Media at Mac.com. Right? Okay. And so for years on the phone, I've had this Apple ID that I got to... I don't think you needed an Apple ID initially, but if at whatever point that I was buying stuff, usually with the iOS with iOS apps, I had let's call it Merlin Media at Mac.com. Right. Um, and that's what I've used. So anything I've bought with for apps on the phone, the iPad, on the Mac App Store, you know, for OS 10, mm-hmm. we're talking about like a, a, a lot of stuff. Um, and certainly a lot of stuff that I wouldn't want to have to rebuy if anything ever went horribly wrong. So there's all that stuff. Okay. Then at some point iCloud became more of a thing and there were reasons. I think my, the biggest reason I wanted iCloud as a thing was contact syncing was the first one Yes, in the early days. Cause that was finally appearing to work. So, it, so we've got Merlin media at Mac.com. And then at some point a new ID was created. I don't know, three, four years ago. I don't know, whenever, uh, which we'll call Merlin actual after Battlestar Galactica, um, Merlin actual at Mac.com. You with me so far? I'm totally with you. Okay. So in practice, that's not super duper difficult, but there, we're already into an area where there's some interesting things. So Merlin actual is going to be for stuff that I don't necessarily want other people to have access to. 
whether that's my browser history or my contacts or my mail. Right. That's all the stuff that equals equals me. Right. Pretty much. That, is, that is Merlin man specific stuff. Yeah. So like if I give her when I gave her not gave her when I when she obtained the use of the iPad uh, two, the very ancient iPad, I deleted all of my Merlin actual stuff off of right, there. Right. Not, not even so much because of her, because like the thing that something I've talked about a lot in, with, with regard to email in the past is like, it's funny how like for years we've had things like PGP and trying to get really good about email security is like, but the problem is, you know, half of your email security involves other people. You know what I mean? So it's like when you send something to somebody in email, even if you have the most secure version of the world, in the world, like they have a copy of your email too. So if they have a pencil 69 password, your email is vulnerable there. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yes. Um, but anyway, so the, the Merlin actual stuff, that's all my, my, my stuff stuff. So I don't buy stuff on that account. So what this is on iOS, this is really pretty great. So you can go in, let's say you've got your main iCloud account. You've got the iCloud area in settings and that's my Merlin actual stuff. Then you have another area called, I think iTunes and store or something like that. And that's where you can go in. That's where I use the Merlin Media one, which is great. So now I have this silo over here of all the media stuff. And I don't, you know, anybody in my family, I'm fine with them using that. I don't, I've never even checked that mail. Like it's just mostly receipts for stuff. Right. Um, there's all that. And then all my Merlin actual stuff is over here. But then it gets a little more complicated because like, okay, well, what happens if I'm trying to back up my wife's phone and I want to get her transfer her pur- purchases? Mm-hmm. And strange things happen when you have phones with different IDs synced yes. to the same computer and you get weird mystery <laughs> warnings and you start getting the pop-up about how many devices and do you want to trust this computer? And you really have to, I feel like I really want to think through before I hit okay. And I end up hitting cancel a lot. Take it to another level uh, on Apple TV. They, they now have the ability to look at your uh, iCloud photos on Apple TV as of this latest tvOS. Right, right. But I don't if there is there might be a separate login a third login for that but like it, it basically it comes down to this it's like if you ever had more than one apple id you're going to be in for some confusion hmm. the dangerous part when i say dangerous i just mean that like there are ways to do something that seems very benign even if that's something as simple as saying sure i'll upgrade to icloud uh drive right well you know today that's not as big a deal like a year ago you'll remember that initially you could sign up for iCloud Drive before it was available on OS X, which means now you can't get to your stuff anymore. So I don't know. It's a little bit complicated and fraught because, and then again, of course, all the stuff with Apple IDs is ultimately you want to have really secure passwords for all these things too. And, you know, anytime you have to re-enter that password, well, if you have a, pa- if you have a password for any of your iCloud accounts that you know from memory, that's not a good idea. But anyway, you see where I'm going with this. I do. So, and uh, so what it sounds like I need to do because I'm the only thing that I'm using iCloud, my particular iCloud account, I use it for backing up my devices. Oh, sure. There you go. Yeah. iCloud backup. Yeah. I suppose I'm syncing stuff like calendars and bookmarks with it. I never check the email. And nope. I, I'm, I have, it sounds like my error here was all along ever since day one, I've always bought everything with this account. It sounds like what I could do is I could make you could add yourself to the family. I could add myself to the family with it with a, a new one, right? Like start the family I would love account to find with out. that account. I would I would love to find out if that's the case because that would be pretty great. Factually, I know that we have. Factually, <laughs> I know that we, <laughs> actually I, I, I watch that uh, raising Arizona every almost every day now with my kids. Uh, 
we have an Apple genius listening to this show, at least one, perhaps more, who they know the answer to this. I would love, I would love to to know exactly what to do. And then I, I'm fine creating a new iCloud account that I use for like syncing of my stuff and backing stuff up and moving that one into a family share thing. And, 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 you know, that's fine. I just want to know what to do. I don't want to, I don't want to mess anything up. Well, yeah, absolutely. You know? And the, 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 re- the constraints on things like number of devices with the same ID, that's still pretty liberal. It used to be five and only five devices, I think. And if you forgot to disable it, I mean, like I, I can tell you from that when I moved to my iMac, I forgot to deauthorize mm-hmm. my Mac, my old Mac Pro mm-hmm. after I'd already broken it down. Yep, and then I gone. saw like, okay, bing, sorry, you can't do it. Well, then I then I had to go in and get everything set back up. That wasn't a huge deal. It took you know half an hour and deauthorized it. But that's right. that's one thing that, that is not intuitive to people is that you need to deauthorize a device to like open up that slot. Um, but you know, it's just, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not a genius in, on any level. So part of this is like, a lot of this is just, you know, kind of, uh, fear, fear and concern about getting it wrong. You don't want to sign up for stuff that you don't need. Like I'm looking at this thing right now, I'm looking at a page, one of my favorite pages on the Apple site. I put it in notes. Um, the title of the page is iCloud music library, colon, understanding differences between Apple music and iTunes match. I swear to God, I've read this thing five times and I feel more confused every time that I read it. I know. I still, I still don't really understand it and it's i know part of that is i'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer but i think part of it is that these services just apple music alone is very confusing like so i mean i wonder how many people that are using an iphone and listening to music can tell you exactly the difference between icloud library apple music itunes match you know, let alone the stuff that they just happen to have sitting around on their computer mm-hmm. and like what, what governs what. And I, you know, this is, this kind of confusion leads a pretty smart fellow like Jim Dalrymple to like now have all his Led Zeppelin albums that have like the wrong cover and stuff. And I it's know. like, how, how did that happen? So like, I'm very reluctant to go just flip something on because I don't want to lose. I like iTunes match. It's, it, I under, I feel like I understand iTunes match because it just, it's just a big hard drive basically. I don't know. So, you know, anyway, like, so it does pay. I did read lots of stuff in the run up to this, but I do not feel that much more confident in my understanding of how all these things work. The family sharing thing is interesting, but like, I know I'm pretty sure you have to basically share a credit card. So like when I put it on my kid's machine and like she got her her own Apple ID and I, I got it all set up. And then at one point I had to go in and verify the special code on her iPhone in mm-hmm. order to verify the payment method. And I guess that's good. That's that prevents, you know, people from pretending to be your kid and buying stuff, I guess. But yeah. have you gotten the thing where they can make requests to buy stuff? Oh, you're not on at all. You're not on family plan. No, I mean, I've, I, I've been too nervous about how to do it. Well, I thought one place to start if you have a little bit of time is to just go, there's an article you can just Google for basically creating an Apple ID for your kid. And it's, it's not, I think it's not wholly unlike PlayStation. Where yeah, you I made one. A, for, I made one for him, but it's separate. It's not connected to any of my. Okay, so what you can do is, I think the easiest way to do that is either on OS 10 or iOS. You go into your preferences or, or your settings, and you invite somebody. Now they're going to get an email that they need to check in their right. email program, right? And or I maybe they get a pop up if they're logged in, but basically they just accept your invitation to join the family group. But we still haven't done it with my wife. She's still, you know over here but it's it's cool i mean you can see each other on find my friends i mean there's exactly two people who can see me on find my friends and that's that's what we use it for it's me and your wife 
Yep. Yeah. For a long time, I had Dan Morin on there, and then I thought, I'm not sure. <laughs> like, I like Dan, but like, I don't know if he needs to know where I am all the time. <laughs> right. right. I like Dan. I'm yeah, a fan. Why not? Sure. Uh, I'd be happy to talk more about this, but uh, we probably have sponsors today, don't we? We do. We do. Would you like to tell me about something that you like? I would like to tell you about something that I like and that I know that you like, and that mm-hmm. is uh, our friends over at Smile. I love Smile. I know you do. They make something called PDF Pen, and it's it's bigger brother. PDF Pen Pro. Rawr. PDF Pen is the uh, Swiss Army knife for PDFs. And PDF Pen Pro is the knife with so many tools it cannot fit into your pocket. Mm. Is that PDF Pen Pro in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? Can it be both? It can be both. Thank you. It has all of the tools that you would find in, in PDF Pen Pro does, but... You can also, uh, so like you can add signatures, you can edit text and images, you can do OCR and scan documents, you can export to Microsoft Word, but, but Pro lets you create an interactive PDF form, you can build a table of contents, you can set permissions, you can convert websites to multi-page PDFs, which is really, really cool. All of this stuff is in, a, and like the feature, the highlight feature for me still, and we've talked about it before, but it's because it's amazing, is you can edit OCR text from a scanned document like that. That is a huge thing. That's, that's insane. It's amazing. Like how, how it went from being something where you had to have a, like a thousand dollar device to sit there and then in Omni scans, right. Omni scan. Is that what it was called back in the day? I think so. Remember that app? There's that really expensive app that you would use to like go and do the correction. Now you, it actually is easier and faster to do it on an iPad. It's nuts. It's really crazy, but here's the deal. You can get this. And use this app. They made a special URL for us. Smilesoftware.com slash B2W. B is in brothers. But what they let you do is they let you try it first. This is what's crazy. Who, who lets you try stuff? That's how confident they are in it. That's how much they know that you're going to like it. You go there. You try PDF Pen. You try it. You download it. If you like it, they let you use it for a while. If you like it, buy it. And you know what? If you're one of the three, four people in the world who won't find it incredibly useful and life-changing. I mean, shame on you, but then don't buy it. It's all right. But you can go get your free uh, trial right from there. Smilesoftware.com slash B2W. The links will be there. And we sure do appreciate Smile's ongoing support of this program. Thank you very much to Smile. Smilesoftware.com slash B2W. Bok, bok. Uh, added two more notes, uh, to things to show notes here. Right. Uh, the link on setting up family sharing and family sharing and Apple ID for your child. I found these very useful. I'm going to, by the time that we record next week, I will have done some important things in this, in this space. Well, you know, we've gotten to uh, a point where like, well, thank goodness that our, our devices can do so many interesting things in the background for us, but to get all that, that, uh, wiring and plumbing in place in a secure way. Yeah. I mean, this ain't, this ain't a simple proposition. It can't be, you know, but yeah, I'd love to hear how that goes for you. Yeah. I'm going to try it and I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure how I'm going to try it yet, but we'll see. I, I, you know, there was the big Apple event mm-hmm. uh, that you covered on the floor. Um, but you know, out of that, we talked a little bit about the, the MacBook pros and things like that. And I've still, I've still been on the fence cause I definitely need something new. I have like a first generation MacBook Pro Retina 13. And that's I the made, one where you run out of RAM? Yes. And I, I, I found a little, I forget if it was a listener who sent this in, 
but there there is an app i love i mean the app is perfect for me just based on the name of it it's called dr cleaner have you ever heard of dr cleaner no okay i don't think i have i had a similar one i had like um yeah uh task swimmer yeah back slammer i had some some kind of an app that does that and it goes through and does all the the unixy things and the, right right so dr well dr cleaner is a little dr. different cleaner I, <laughs> the goggles the, uh dr <laughs> clean, nothing. The clean disc and memory uninstall apps and optimized system but mm-hmm. what it what it does is it it lives up in your uh, menu bar, mm-hmm. and you can you can do things like you know delete cleanable junk files, and you can mm-hmm. one one thing that's neat is it has a uh, it will find duplicate files for you, but in a, uh, yeah. it doesn't let you do anything about it unless you then get this other app which you do have to pay for. Yeah, that I will, would be circumspect about this. That will find it, but. Here's here's the main reason I'm I'm using it is for the memory part, and I'll, I'll tell you what I'm going to screenshot this little thing. All right, I'll put that. Well, in the how, how does it clean your memory? What is that? What? So right now, up at the top, and I will I will put this a photo of what it's doing up in in memory. I mean in in the show notes. But it, so at the top, it says memory, and it says memory usage as as always. Right now, almost I'm at ninety nine percent, and it says underneath it about RAM RAM. Okay. Apps using I'm the half full on the drive. Apps okay. using significant memory. Safari, Adam, which is an editor that I use for coding. Oh, neat. Uh, at Slack and Dropbox. And if you click optimize, it has a neat little animation that it goes by and it kind of zips across the optimize button. And then that somehow that it now after I click that it takes it down to eighty two percent. I don't know what it did. It will quickly go back up to 99% in a minute as soon as I like open a Safari window. God forbid I open a Safari window or a new tab. Huh. Uh, but it went up to 84% since, since I mentioned it. But at least now I, like, I know that I really am hovering right around that maximum limit all the time. And I, what a dummy I was to not get the 16 gig version of this thing. Because like, like my uh, the 11 inch Air that I had uh, a, a long time ago that my daughter poured uh, her, her glass of water into. Somehow, this one also got water on it and it went into the screen and ruined the screen. So about a year and a half after I got it, I wound up spending $600 to replace the screen. Oh, no. Yeah, so I decided that I was going to hold uh-huh. on to this thing. All- some cost, yes, some cost. Yes, for a long time, I was, I was holding on to it for much, much longer. So now... I'm definitely in the the market for it, and it's it's super frustrating because I mean I'm doing still doing software development many hours a day four four hours a day and up, uh, doing software development on this thing, and it's just it feels bogged down all the time. And I know I know that you as you know kind of you got your finger on the pulse of what Apple's doing minute by my minute. Finger, my finger's everywhere these days. Yeah. I mean, do you think should I hold out until June to to see if if and what the new MacBook Pro 13 inch might be, or should I just say screw it? I'm I'm tired of suffering. I don't know, man. I it's not. It's up to you. That, it's not that that much money. You could probably find a use for it or sell it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure, I, I'm sure one of our listeners would love to buy this MacBook 13 uh, Retina with a brand new screen in it. 
Yeah, I mean, the, running at 99%, you know, RAM just sounds like no way to live. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know if this is a similar kind of thing. I had an app like that on here for a while that did one of those cleany epi things. And I don't know, it seemed weird. I, um, I own, I purchased, use, and recommend Cocktail for doing a lot of those kinds of things. There's yes. been ones like Onyx and things in the past kind of the progeny of stuff like file buddy back in the day. Oh yeah. Cocktails. Um, cocktails pretty neat because it does a lot of the, the witchcraft and hand waving and, you know, bead jangling behind the scenes. Are you talking about the general purpose utility for OS 10 lets you clean, repair and optimize your Mac? You, you mean the one that's a powerful digital tool set that helps hundreds of thousands of Mac users around the world get the most out of their computers every day. Is that, that the one? That's the one. Oh, the one that's a perfect mixture for Mac OS 10. Yeah. I think, I think that's the one. <laughs> Is it a Swedish company called Maintain? Yeah. No, that's not it. That's not it. Oh. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, 20 bucks, but like, uh, you know, it goes and does all the stuff. And it's like, you know, it's 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 weird. It's so different than it used to be where you used to have to do so many things and you wouldn't even know if it worked. But <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and it lets you do lots of little tweaky things where you can, it's almost like a little bit like cross between FileBuddy and ResEdit. Like you can go in and ruin lots of stuff on your computer. It's kind of cool. You can turn stuff on and off. You can change like where the doc's located, all that kind of stuff. Um. It's kind of neat. I'll put that in notes. Did I put it in notes? I did already. already. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know, dude. I I, uh, I don't know. I mean, how much money are you talking about there? Uh, I think it's... Hold on. I actually have a little, uh, a little quote. I mean, if you're spending four hours a day developing on a laptop that's at 99% memory right, usage... That doesn't I, make sense, does it? That doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Well, I'm looking for the, the quote they sent over to me. You're waiting for the new, the new chips, the, the, the broad, well, Broadmoors, the Asquels, uh, the, the Tidal Creeks. What are they called? Yes, yeah, so I think it, I think, I thought Hefty, so. Hefty Bridge. What's, what's it called? Skylake. 13 Skylake. inch MacBook Pro with Retina display, 16 gigs of RAM, uh, comes out to be like 1800 bucks. Ah, that doesn't sound too Oh, bad. that's with Apple Care. It's 1600 bucks without it. Well, you know, Intel seems to be abandoning their TikTok model, I hear on podcasts. Yeah, I mean, I'm shocked. So, uh, but you know what? No, no, no talks. Here's, here's the thing about, um, about that. I don't so much care about the Skylake being a little bit faster. I just, you know, I, I just, I feel like if they're going to come out with something, the minute I buy it, they'll come, oh, well, the new one only weighs six ounces. So, and it has the same size screen, and we didn't ruin the keyboard with that new terrible keyboard we put on the 12-inch MacBook. You know, I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, you know, that's uh, where does that end up being? That's like 150 bucks a week if you threw it away in June. Hmm. What's your time worth? Yeah, what is my time worth? What's your time worth? What is my? Can you turn? Time can you turn it on? Turn it off? Can you turn it on? Turn it off? <laughs> What's that from? <laughs> it's from the parody of the color of money on Saturday Night Live. Oh, with, uh, <laughs> I like it. I, I got to watch ben Stiller it. and John Maloney. Can you turn it on? Turn it off? Can you turn it on? Turn it off? Can you turn it on? Turn it off? I'll put it in notes. I got lots of other things to talk about too. Well, yeah, so I, you know, Hakuna Matata. I hope your journey takes you interesting places. I, I got a lot of BS here. I don't have that much interesting stuff. Oh. Um, I, I subscribed. I got the I got the um, the trial of PlayStation View. Oh, you did? Cool. Yeah. What do um, you think of that? It's it's. I am right on the fence with it. Really. Yeah, because there's some stuff about it that's like, oh, like, as we like to say too often, no brainer stuff, but it's weird. Like, I, I have been out of the, the, I've never been in like the Comcast DVR business. Mm-hmm. The closest I've gotten to that kind of confusing interface is Hulu, 
We're like, what what happened to Hell's Kitchen? Where did it go? Why is right, it gone? Right, right, right. With this, so yeah, you go basically, it's 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 pretty it's a pretty simple boneheaded thing. You go in, I think it's like 30, 40 bucks a month. You go and subscribe to this, and it's basically like cable mostly, except it comes through your PlayStation to view. Well, no, no, I'm sorry. Let me put it differently. PlayStation View is a really, really weird service where once you have signed up for this, you now have the ability to get over 30 like real world channels, including your local affiliates. Mm -hmm. You can watch it via your PlayStation, but you can also watch it via your iPad and your iPhone. And on top of it, there is a very nebulously defined, uh, to me anyway, cloud PVR functionality to it. So in some cases, that means if it's something that's on demand, a la like a freebie via your Comcast DVR, that'll work. Sometimes you can just go watch shows. But basically you go in and say, here's my favorite channels. Here's my favorite shows. You say The Walking Dead is one of my favorite shows. And from now on, you have an area where you can go and just watch whatever Walking Deads are available. I like that. It's, it's, it's extremely variable though. But it's, it's super weird because like, you remember, you remember we talked about before like, oh, it's kind of neat to have TV because you can watch edited versions of movies. Ah, Yes. And so the Dark Knight was going to be on, and I said I added that to my favorites, and you know what? It recorded it, like off of TBS with commercials. You wow. can't fast forward through it. You can literally start over. That's one. So there's some things that are limited like that. There's other kinds of things where if a show is already in progress, you're not limited by a number of tuners. So if you want to start watching Chopped and it's 15 minutes in, you can arrow down and hit start over, and in most cases, it will start that episode over for you. Um, and I don't, I haven't had much luck with like skipping through commercials. So it's not like a, like a TiVo in that way. Mm-hmm. But you know, I got to tell you for like, for the ability to have like regular TV shows record without any muss and fuss. Of course, now though you are using a, you know, a PlayStation controller to watch TV, which is kind of odd. <laughs> they have remotes that you can buy, but I'm not ready to do that. I'm yeah, going to try it for a, a month commitment. and see, but you know, it's not, you can try it for free. See what you think. You just use your PlayStation, uh, your, your, uh, you junked up PlayStation account to go subscribe to this. So yeah, it's interesting though. It's pretty cool. And, uh, but it, it's, it's, I, I really, I very poorly understand how, why, when, and for how long certain things are available. And they've got all these little badges to explain like, you know, uh, available or live or catch up or on demand and all these things. And I don't know exactly what they all mean because I'm new to this whole world, but you might want to at least try it. It's pretty cool to be able to watch it on your, on your iPad. And like I say, I don't think there's the restriction of one device. I don't think. I think as long as you're watching it on your account, you can watch it. Anyway, it's kind of a neat idea. Yeah, and it's, well, how, how long are you going to give it? Is there, did you mention a trial? Well, I just got an email saying it's about to charge me. I thought okay. it was for a month, but it might be a, a week. Um, but, uh, you know, let me find out. But I'll try it. I'll probably try it for a month. It's not that much money. Yeah. Um. You know, but it's funny. I do still find myself kind of falling back to like, oh gosh, I wish this was just easy and didn't require extra dinguses and, you know. But anyway, it's an option. Very interesting to see where this stuff will go. I think, you know, if you think about like the service I just poorly described, like that's probably not dissimilar. It's not wholly dissimilar from what Apple wants to do. In what way? Well, for the Apple TV some kind of a cord cutting over the top solution where you can go in and for 60 bucks a month, get most of the channels. Right. It's just that in this case, it's and just to be clear here there is, as far as I am aware, you can watch this on your PlayStation. You can watch it on Android device, Chromecast and iOS, but you can't watch it on the web. 
Like yeah, I can't watch it at work and you can't watch it on your Apple TV. They, they don't make an app for it. You know, mm. times of confusion. Just trying yeah, things out. Really is. That is in notes. If you want to check that out. Right. Uh, do you want to tell me about uh, something else that you like? Sure. I don't I mean, know. Why we not? probably, we have a couple sponsors today, right? Yeah, we do. Okay. The next one is a new sponsor for us. Hey, it's, new sponsor. New Hello. Sponsor. Ding, ding. Hello. Hey, a new sponsor, Bell. Ooh. Mm. I think we have the same tone. I was going to say. Mm. Yes. Is it perfectly <laughs> Happy Easter. Happy Easter, Bok Bok. Yeah. Hey, I can tell you something you like. Okay, Quip. Any, any new sponsors this week? It is Quip. Q-U-I-P. Quip.com. They are a company based right there in San Francisco. And they have done something that is really, really cool. They have uh, taken what I think is a, is a huge, huge task and uh, I think perhaps accomplished it. I think you should, uh, you should check this out. They have rethought and built a new productivity suite from the ground up. And the reason that they've done this is because, in their opinion, and I tend to agree, the old tools, the ones that we've been using for years and years, dragging along, schlepping along with us, have been built on an old paradigm, an old technology stack, a non-mobile era, and they don't meet the needs of today's teams, today's small and large teams. And, you know, one of the questions that they say is like, why have we been carrying all of this baggage along with us, you know, worrying about a file, worrying about a uh, history of a file or history of a decision that was made and what happened to a project. All of this stuff is stuff that they wanted to, uh, to address. So what have they done? They have, uh, number one, they're big believers in like communicating without email. They want to encourage people to have conversations. So they do have an inbox, but it's an inbox for documents. It's a smart inbox that lets you manage documents that people are, are working on. You've got personal chats so that you can talk to members of the team. You can talk to everybody. They've got built-in commenting. So and any piece of content system-wide, you want to add a comment to it. Like you can add everything is about discussion. Everything is about collaboration. It's built that way from the ground up. It works great on mobile. It's got built-in notifications. They've got all the fun stuff like emojis and memes and things like that. But you're basically creating and managing content with your team in what they call living documents, shared spreadsheets. You got shared tasks lists. You can import like your old stuff from Office, from Google Drive, from Evernote, whatever. All of this is there. It supports Markdown. You got uh, themes. You got everything that you want. And it, it is really, really cool. And it's all encrypted. So your team data is safe. You can set permissions at a group level or at a folder level. Everything can be organized. You can come up with your own custom you know, domain for it. Uh, Really, really cool stuff. And uh, and I would love for you guys to go and check it out. It's at Quip, Q-U-I-P, Quip.com. You can go to Quip.com slash about. But uh, stop, you know, drowning in email and getting interrupted and, uh, and, and, and just get your stuff done. Tools you use are old. This is new. And it's great. Quip.com. Thanks very much to Quip for supporting Back to Work with Merlin Mann. Thanks, Quip.com. That's a cool domain name. Yeah. They got a little tour you can walk through and see exactly how it how it works. Yeah, you should check check out their website. It's saucy. I like when you it. say it's a little, a little saucy, yeah, de- oh, definitely. Another one I was thinking of was Clean My Drive. 
Clean My Drive 2, a lightweight drive manager for Mac. And this is one of those ones that like I'm kind of on the bubble with this. I bought it, but like I'm not sure. It does a lot of that like, do you want me to clean the quote unquote junk off your drive? And it's like, well, tell what, me what's the mu- junk? What tell me you- much, much, much <laughs> more about what you consider junk. Right. But uh, you know, if you're on a, you know, like a SSD that doesn't have a lot of space on it, yeah. you can check it out. Mm. Yeah. yeah. There it is. There you go. What else we got here? Other exciting things. Um, oh, I, I found a new, I got another Tumblr to show you. Oh, uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, I thought you'd enjoy this one. Speaking speaking of uh, trials and, and pop-ups, yeah. follow that link um, from show notes. I think it's the first one. All right. Con- confirm shaming. Oh, okay. I'm going to it now. I'm clicking. <laughs> it's, it's loading. Confirm shaming. So you're on your iOS device and you're sitting there ready to enjoy some internet content and you get one of those interstitial pop-up things. Yes, this is great. And so, so, so time was, they would say, uh, do you want to download our app? And you just hit yes or no. Uh-huh. And then it got to be, do you want to download our app? Yes. And then there'd be a little X in the corner. Well, now the Ocaron thing is to have the cancel or I don't want it button to be something like snarky that makes you look like an idiot. And so they, this, this, so the people behind confirm shaming have been collecting screen grabs of uh, basically annoying pop-ups that give you, <laughs> that make you pop on, that make you click on something that makes you feel like an idiot uh, in order to not do the thing that you never asked for. Yes. So the example, may I may I read it? Yeah, let's go through a few of these. These are yeah. good. Confirm shaming. This is uh, confirmshaming.humble.com. Sign up for Home Talk for inexpensive to elegant do-it-yourself ideas. Your first option, big button, connect with Facebook or. Mm-hmm beneath it email and then a big red button that says i want free ideas that's the confirm let's go ahead and do this thing yeah what what if what if what if you, you actually don't want that thing that popped up I, it hit? says i don't want ideas <laughs> i don't want ideas funny or die says join our invite only newsletter so you either enter your email and hit subscribe or you click says no no thanks i can't read <laughs> uh wait there were some there were some good ones here um <laughs> Some of these are so stupid. They're Food terrible. and Wine Magazine. Get the best recipes to make right now. Either enter your uh, email and zip code to stay inspired or click. No. No, thanks. I'm not interested in delicious recipes. No, thanks. I'll stay out of the loop. No, thanks. I prefer to pay full price for actually cute custom clothing. No, thanks. I don't want to save this season. No, thanks. I prefer to pay full price. No, thanks. I prefer to pay full price for actually cute custom clothing. No thanks. I'll have a microwave dinner tonight. So no, weird. I don't want a new iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to provide us some resources for my students. Please unsubscribe. Even Amazon is doing this. Join Amazon Prime. No thanks. I don't want unlimited one day delivery. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Why? Right? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you'd enjoy that one to to add to I your. Love uh, that like, one. Interesting tumblers. No thanks. Like, I'll stick to the latest Adam Sandler films. Uh, I don't want good things. I'm a jerk. Uh, I don't know. I do not have too much more. Oh my gosh. It's uh, we still got a lot of, we got to fill a lot of uh, time here. Well, I got, I got a couple topics that I don't know if I'd love to talk about that. Oh yeah. You got your topics. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll do one last one then. Got Did you see Glenn Fleischman's article in Macworld titled iOS 9.3, the new night shift feature probably won't help you sleep better. I did see that, and I did read it, and That's I give I give the article what? 10 mice. 
Glenn, uh, Glenn tweets too much, but he's a very smart guy. Very smart, and he won. He won some uh, things that set him up into into fame, and and he writes on MacWorld, and he's. I know him from that his uh, his Wi-Fi blog back in the day. Really? Oh my god! Yeah, it was uh, like Wireless News Today. No, what was it called? Uh, no cat. I don't know. He, he had a he had a whole website about like what's new in eight hundred two eleven whatever. That's how he got famous, I think. I don't know. Also, he was on Jeopardy. Well, to set this uh, up a little bit, on we we have been very excited about Night Shift, which is very much like Flux, which is the wonderful utility that changes the co- color shift. It color shifts your screen. The color, the color temperature. Right, right, to make it warmer so that it is more, uh, I guess, orange-ish than, uh, than blue-ish by eliminating the, the blueness of our screens, which, as you pointed out in the last episode, we, we shouldn't say science has shown, but that there are theories that a more warm uh, setting with less of the blue light in it could potentially be better yeah, to look at at night. It seems like there is something to the idea that sunlight tells your brain that it's time to be awake. Right. Well, Glenn, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead here, but what Glenn gets into is like, well, that's not necessarily the same thing as looking at a screen and like, who's to say what this artificial light is going to do to you? Maybe avoid it altogether if you're really worried about sleep. He breaks it down. He's got details. He's got numbers. He he interviewed people like he's a journalist. Yeah. No one does that. No one needs to do that anymore. You just quote, you quote other articles on the internet and that becomes your source. But he Mm -hmm. did it. He did it old fashioned. Well, now, what do you think? I See, I feel like this is one of the, I was trying to find a quote from John Syracuse that I couldn't find, but on Reconcilable Differences one time, we were talking about how he was saying that, like, you know, if you've got a mental model for something, it doesn't, I don't want to misquote him, but it was along the lines of, well, it doesn't matter if it's perfect and correct. It works, it matters whether it works for you. Right. And so in this case, I mean, I can just tell you that, like, when I'm laying in bed trying to get to sleep, the the, the lower and warmer I can get that, mo- um, that display, the better my brain feels. So I, I'm, I'm still going to keep using it. My daughter turned it off. She hates it. She's like, her, my photo is like yellow. But, um, but I, I'm still going to keep using it. But I, I thought it was a good article. I'm, I'm always glad to hear when something, when I never did my own research, to be honest. I never yeah. read the papers I kept citing. So I, I'm grateful when someone does this. Well, he, if, you're, if you're interested in this phenomenon of, of the light and how it affects you. This is a wonderful article to read. He, like you said, he interviews people. He really, really, really breaks it down. Um, it's, you know, again, they, they say, well, it could be a placebo effect. It could be, you know, that, that it's just you and for what, well, but you know what, like if that's the case and it's working for people, then that's cool. Like, if it ha- whatever works to help you get better sleep is is a good thing. For me, I've always had the brightness on all my devices anytime in the evening. I turn it at, all the way down, always. And even during the day, I don't think I ever, ever. I'm looking. Look at it right now. It's at about a third brightness right now, and it's two p.m. here in Austin, Texas, and it's very bright. Wow. It's at a third. That's the brightest I ever think i ever wanted and i remember during the apple event they're like the new ipad pro is 50 times brighter than the old one i'm like wow i can't look at it like that and i don't you know i don't know what if it's again if, if it's just me or what but like this was i turned that thing all the way up to the, the warmest setting and the lowest brightness and i don't get any eye strain from it at all whether it's helping me sleep better i don't know but i know that in a darker house in an evening that for me 
it's much more pleasant to look at and, mm-hmm. and it's not creating any more eye strain. Whether that helps me wind down and sleep better at night, I don't know. But I know that I'm not, uh, I'm not having eye strain like I used to. So that's a plus. Yeah, I, I agree. I guess I, I'm not trying to be turns out guy. I just wanted to make sure that because we have talked about this a lot and kind of hand waved at a bunch of research about this, right? That that Glenn actually did the footwork on that. So if you are interested in these things, go and read up, and you can do your own due diligence on it. But I, I'm, I'm with you. Like I said last time, like I like to read a little bit right before bed. So uh, I will, you know, bring an iPad sometimes with me. I usually keep my iPhone by the bed and charge it by the bed. And do not disturb. But regardless of the, of the, like, especially with the iPad Pro, though, the iPad Pro, even turned all the way down, even in the dark mode in iBooks, is still brighter than I would like. Yes. So, yeah, this is a boon companion to me. I like it. I, I have mine automatically go from 7 a.m., uh, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. And uh, I, I, I like it. I like it. So, I'm going to keep doing that. Good job, Glenn Fleshman. Glenn Funny Fleshman. Guy. I've Glenn got Fleshman. I've got a little follow up from a comment that you made two three episodes back. Um, about when we were talking about comic books, comic books to read, things that we like, that kind of thing. Yeah, and you mentioned an artist that I had not really heard of. I I actually had uh, seen her work before, but not really in a way that I was conscious of the way that like I'm obsessed with, with like Ramos or something like that. Raphael Albuquerque, you know, like those, those are a mm-hmm. couple of people who I just like, I, if they, if I find out they're going to be doing something, I will go and buy the book and just read it because I love, I love their art. Uh, but you mentioned her, Annie Wu. Oh, right. Who's, who's drawing. I think now she's on the black canary, uh, books. And she did some of the Hawkeye stuff, if I understand right. She's done some she did Archie a bunch of the, covers. She did several of the, 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 the Kate. Oh, yeah, yeah. She and Chip Zdarsky, is that right? Did uh, Archie or Jughead. Maybe yes, Jughead, yes. But, but no, she's, isn't she terrific? I'm, I'm so glad just you like her. so into that. So thank you for that pointer. Her stuff is just crazy cool. Crazy yeah. cool. It's real hip. Like it looks uh, hip. <laughs> yeah, very modern and yeah. and fun, and the way that she draws people and their expressions is great. And uh, yeah, she's she's just doing some really really cool stuff. Good pick. Um, yeah, I haven't been reading too much comics. God, we had a funny thing happen the other night. Uh, there's one weeknight a week where my uh, wife is doing something in the evening and, uh, and I do bedtime reading. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I picked this. Um, I, started, I started reading my kid uh, short stories by James Thurber <laughs> and it's so fun. They're so fun because they're so silly. And if you read them really fast, not in a funny voice, but like kind of fast, it's, it's really neat. Like, I, what, I was, what are they? Oh, James Thurber, he wrote like Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Oh, okay, cool. He, I think he's, what, what is he best known for? His drawings, maybe, in The New Yorker? But I think Walter Mitty is probably his best known thing. But, you know, you can pick up like a, like a, I don't know if it's collected James Thurber, but like you can get a butt ton of James Thurber for like $10 on iBooks. And uh, it's it's pretty great. He's very funny. He's a very clever writer. And so, yeah, now we've been reading this, uh, one of my favorites when I was a little kid called, uh, the night the bed fell. Um, and they're, they're fun. I mean, like they're not four. some of them are four kids, but even the ones that aren't four kids, like they're, you know, he's writing in uh, what the thirties, forties, fifties. So it's like, it's pretty kid friendly. Anyway, just an idea. Go and go and look at some, uh, some older stuff. Now with that said, 
I remember being a fan of Bennett Surf's collections of stuff for kids when I was little, which is already old when I was a kid. But like, and man, that stuff has not aged well. Like, hey, there's a series of jokes about being a train commuter. It's like, <laughs> there's all these things about, you know, ah, he has jokes about clergymen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, the, 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 the book of puns. Oh, puns. Oh, limericks. Limericks are, limericks are still funny. I like a limerick. Give me, uh, throw me a good limerick. One of your favorites. Oh, uh, let's see. There once was a lady uh, named Doris. <laughs> no, you can't do that. No, wait. There once was a lady from Wheeling <laughs> uh, who said she had no sexual feeling till a man named Boris came and touched her. You can't you do that on, peel, on this show. You have to peel her off the ceiling. No. Did you just make that up? There once was a man from Nantucket. <clears throat> anyway, uh, you can go ahead and edit that if you want. I mean, I, I like it, but... <laughs> yeah, but even, even clean limericks are funny, but even clean, clean limericks sound dirty is the thing. I like when there's a little surprise where you think it's going one way and it goes the other way. So what, right? Yeah, but cares? you got to be careful if a guy named Boris comes to your house. <laughs> be careful what, what you telegraph to him. You know, you do and don't feel. Or you just you just might be up on the ceiling. Yeah, we'll be back in a minute. <laughs> uh, James Thurber, James Thurber, E.B. White, lots of good stuff out there. Um, other things. I linked to this one thing. This will be the last thing for this, but uh, I thought this was very interesting. Somebody put out an app. You can get this off of GitHub. It's kind of weird. This app called Clear Text. Have you seen this? Clear text. And it's like it's a it's like a little like it looks, it looks like a five minute project, but essentially it's an app that uh, will only let you type words that are from the uh, 1,000 most common, like, simple English language words. Now, I got a version of this that I think might be kind of screwed up because it, you can only use words Donald Trump has used, which makes it a little bit different. Okay. But I, I think it's very interesting to, to follow that challenge. It got me down the, um, the little wiki hole of looking at the simple English uh, Wikipedia. You ever look at this? You ever be on a page on Wikipedia? You see a link over on the left that says simple English? I, I don't think I've ever clicked those. Oh, it's such a neat idea. It's basically you, so there'll be a version of a Wikipedia page and then somebody will go in and like painstakingly create the simple English version. So here's what it says. Um, Articles in the simple English Wikipedia use shorter sentences and simpler words and grammar than the English Wikipedia. The simple English Wikipedia is also for people with different needs, including students, children, adults who might find it hard to read or people who are learning English. And I don't know, I think this is, that's, that's like, man, Wikipedia is so great. And that's just another one of those things. It's like, that's such a good idea. It's good because like, like anything involving accessibility, you know, eventually everybody's going to need it or could find a use for it. Right. But I don't know. I was just interested, interested in that idea, idea of taking something that requires you to... So, for example, like I don't like to write in a fancy way, but I do sometimes prefer a certain kind of precision. Mm. Like, you know, I've, I've made a practice over the years of trying to say, uh, not say hard if I mean difficult. Because difficult is a better word in that case. Right. Hard could be confusing to somebody, especially uh, Doris. And and so I think if you use a word like <laughs> like difficult, that's that's a better word, right? You know, again, we're back to costly versus expensive and those kinds of things. But but it's an even more interesting. So you know, that's a good idea. That's like, oh yeah, you went to school and had a dictionary. Good for you. But it is also very interesting to try and communicate your thoughts in a way that uh, is very clear using only simple words. And it's, it's, a, it's an interesting exercise. It really makes you think about, because what this app does, it'll actually like blip out, the, bloop, and it'll actually delete the word you just typed if it's not one of those thousand words. 
Is that kind of an interesting idea? It's a very interesting idea. I remember when I, my degree is in tech writing and I remember, you know, so much of what I had always learned or, uh, or tried to do when I was writing was, you know, you kind of, especially if you're writing about something technical or computers or software, like you want it to sound uh, you want it to sound legit. And the way that I think we all were kind of raised to write is to you not use big words, but you don't be afraid to use big words. And the example that my uh, tech doc three teacher, which is like the, the final technical writing class where you're really, you go into the real world and you write like a technical manual or a policy and procedures guide or a standards manual or something for like a real company in the real world. And one of the things he always used to say was, uh, you know, it's it's about the right word. It's about the word and and the sentence that communicates the thing in the most simple and direct way possible. He used to say, don't use the word utilize, just use the word use. Using the word use doesn't make you sound dumb. Unless, unless you have a reason to use right, utilize. <laughs> right. So why would you, why would you? Uh, need that and and really question that and i'll tell you something i read so many articles every day on uh, on the internet and the writing i mean i'm i'm going to make a generalization here and say today the writing is it's just so bad really flabby people write the way they speak and people don't speak that well so what you have is you have language that is if if a person were to say it to you out loud, you and I having a conversation, it's going to sound fine. But when you read it written down and it's exactly the same, that that is not there is a huge difference. This actually buttresses nicely into our topic. But. If if you write it down the way that you would say it, it's probably going to make you sound like you're five when you're writing it. And this is out there, and I, I, I see it like this, and I see people linking to these articles and saying, this is a great article about that. I'm like, no, it's a, it's a horrible article, but it contains information that you liked, but right. the writing is terrible. And the reason I think this is there's there I, I can I can identify at least two reasons that I think it is the way it is. One is the pressure for people who write uh, on these news and especially like geek tech, tech news sites, the pressure for them to keep up with all of the things that are coming out uh, and to review every single thing that comes out. They're required to churn out so much there's just no way to keep up and they're just doing their very, very best and working their very hardest to just get the article out the door and get it up on the site. And if it's screwed up, we can fix it later, you know? And of course it never gets fixed, but there's just that, that, uh, trying to keep up with things. And number two, back in the old days, uh, to publish something, you had to be part of a, of a, uh, a big, usually like a big news media corporation type thing. And then we got the web and the web let everyone publish. But the people who were publishing on the web for the most part were people who, uh, who were taking time to craft the stuff that they were creating. And now of course, every, anyone can publish anything that they want. So what I think happened was you got people who weren't necessarily proficient writers like maybe they didn't go to school for it maybe they weren't even naturally good at it 
But that's their job now. Now they're covering this because they're passionate about it or because they're interested in it. And I, I feel like the passion comes across or the interest comes across, but it, the writing has not been developed. And because nobody is uh, is calling them out on it in a way, nobody's saying, wow, this is this article was a piece of crap. It was written horribly. No one's kind of calling them out on that. In fact, the article is getting 5,000 likes and everyone's sharing it and it becomes the article that everybody else links to. They're not encouraged to perfect their craft of writing anymore. They clearly did a good enough job. And mm-hmm. uh, see, see the movie Idiocracy for, you know, for an extreme example of that. But I feel like, and I, I'm, I'm a, because, I mean, like, yes, my mom is, was is now retired, but like college English professor. So like, yes, I'm, I, I'm, I'm probably more retentive about this and I have an English degree, but like, I care about this kind of thing. And I'm not talking about typos. I'm talking about just terrible sentence structure. And I see it time and time again. And people who I respect are reading these kinds of articles and and uh, giving them props and it's like i i can't see one without the other you know like the i know these articles only stick around for a few days or a week but they they why 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 don't people care the way that uh i care that's what i'm asking you Mm. about the writing Because if you're going to put this thing out there, like this represents you, it represents your hard work, you know, on the occasion that like we miss an edit or when we're editing a show or something like that, or if I EQ something bad or if there's under, you know, under compressed for a guest or like that tears me up, man. Like I, the first thing I do, I don't care what time it is. I'll go and I'll re-edit that show, you know, like it's, it's like that stresses me out when I, when I was writing much more. You know, I would never publish anything unless I'd proofread it two or three times and, and read, you know, even if it was a stupid article about installing, you know, MySQL, like I'm going to proofread that. I'm going to run through those, those instructions on three different machines and make sure it works, you know, like, I, I don't know. I, so anyway, that's kind of like a rant, isn't it? But like, I, I don't, I just, I feel like there is this, there is something to be said for that simple, clean, concise writing. And a tool like this is so wonderful because it really does make you think, what is it that I'm trying to say? Why am I using the words that I'm using? Is what I just wrote, does it make sense? Does it really make sense? Does it convey the thought that I'm trying to communicate in an effective way? And would this writing and this piece, this thing that I'm working on, stand the test of time? Yeah. Well, it doesn't need to stand the test of time. You got to write eight articles today, and they've, you know, and tomorrow you got to write eight more. Okay, well, I'll publish it then. Yeah. But that seems like a cop out to me, and I expect more. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I'm trying to. F- I don't Maybe. know if there's a, t- a topic. No, no, I'm, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about what you're saying. Oh, there's a couple. Well, let me get one thing out of the way. Um, I think there is and should be a difference between like i i don't know if i i think i know what you mean by writing like you talk in the sense of like feeling like a like a first draft that hasn't really been edited for precision or clarity or economy yes or even just, using phrases that we would use when we're speaking that are not intended to be written down the way that you 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 know what i'm saying like if if you transcribed what, what you and i said to each other today over the course of the show so far if you read it on paper 
as if it were an, a written article, you'd be like, wow, these guys can't write. But, right, but, right, but right. it's conversational words and phrases and things like that, that when when people now write that way, like they write the way that they speak with those kinds of phrases and incomplete sentences and bad organization, it's almost like they don't have the ability to to write something long form unless they're speaking it. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, it would help if we had a specific example. I don't want to. I, I could get. No, one, I know, but... I know. But I mean, but it's. I. I there's a whole bunch of things I'm gonna. I'm trying to avoid because I. I don't. I don't know. I, I'm. I'm reluctant to just cast an aspersion over like this. This whole class of people. But one. One thing I think is worth saying is that I think there is a difference between careless writing, <clears throat> where you haven't haven't made. Uh, made an attempt to again to just to just to clarify here to you know, make it clear, make it economical, um, shorten it wherever possible, all those kinds of things. Like when you're actually sitting down and trying to write a thing, even if that's like just like a letter or a you know whatever, when you're trying to write a, a something explaining how to use the entertainment system, like it's worth taking the time to try and do that well. I would say because that's just that's important to me. I can't say that every Tumblr post and every bit of show notes I do is perfect, but like I do apply a certain filter to it so that there is a voice to it, but there's also enough care that somebody wouldn't look at and automatically just throw it out because, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Like that's not how you use a semicolon. But, but importantly though, I also want to, I would like to say there's a difference between careless writing and conversational writing. And I'm reminded of that thing, Strunk and White, who apparently no one likes anymore, but I still do. They would say, uh, don't the Chicago manual style. <laughs> No, it's drunk and white and elements of style. Oh, <clears throat> elements say, of example, style. That's the good one. I like that one. But where they say do not affect a breezy style. And I think in some ways, you know, as one of their guidelines. And I think that's generally a pretty good rule. And here's why. Because, you know, for example, there's the whole old, old idea of like show, don't tell. Like you could say, um, you know, Joanne's mother died and she was sad. She was really, 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 really sad because her mother died. She was sad. Right. I mean, there's better ways to to do that. And one one nice way to do that in when you're writing any kind of expository, any kind of writing is to demonstrate something she's doing that gives you insight into how she feels rather than describing how she feels using things like adjectives and adverbs. That's that's one that most people know, but we can kind of forget about. Um, And, you know, you don't you don't have to be a poet to to write in that way. But if you look at any of the great like muscular modern era, well, I'd say even from the 50s, 60s onward, there's so many wonderful things that, that have been in, the, whether that's Esquire, Playboy, The New Yorker, you know, think about any of your writers you've enjoyed over the last 40 or 50 years. There's something about, their, there's usually precision to the style, but it's not formal. So I, I want to make a defense for what I would call a conversational style while also having an asterisk that a conversational style does not come easily because it needs to feel like a conversation while still having the precision of the written word, right. I think. Um, so I, I just want to say, I, I, I'm not against, um, well, I'm not against people doing whatever they feel like, but I, so getting back to what you're saying though, I'm trying to understand like, cause I, I'm trying to figure out whether it's a matter of personal taste for you. Cause it kind of sounds like you're saying like, that this is a it's bad like thing. I can't, I can't, it is a bad thing. I can't even get through an article sometimes. And what, what it's bad because why? Like what, 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 what bad has caused when somebody uh, you know gets a link from another site and then writes some you know that's, shovel blog article, like what, what is that's fine. It, it's <clears throat> I don't know. I'm gonna have to try and figure out why it bothers me so much. But like, look at maybe because you can go to a site like Recode, Recode.net. I'll put it in the show notes, 
all of their stuff is written well. All I mean, I'm not I'm not saying I read every single article on Recode that comes out or has ever come out. But I'm saying like these are writers, folks. Those are writers. They're professional writers and they're doing a damn good job at writing. And I think if they exist and they can write that way, then everybody else should aspire to do that as well. And it seems like there is this laziness and maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm overthinking it and maybe I'm old fashioned or something. And I, well, I accept that, but no, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't feel the way you feel. I'm just saying that in order, in order to have something intelligent to say about this, I'm trying to figure out like, what's the, apart from you not enjoying that style of writing, I guess I, I'm hearing you saying that this is something more damaging. Yes. It is damaging just, to our your preference. It is damaging to our culture as a whole. Mm. I will say, because if, if people see that, they, they can, they, they'll see that and they'll think, you know what? That was a great article. I could write an article too. And they type something up that's basically just them talking and then they publish it and people like it. You're saying it's, it's like viral. It's lowering our standards somehow because this is now all that people uh, are, are, reading and it's what they're seeing and it becomes like a like a plague of uh poorly written stuff i mean look at what's going on in the entertainment space now and all these uh all, all the sort of like people who are just famous because they're socialites or whatever and they haven't like done something other than just been attractive or been in a particular situation or been on a tv show or so like i i like to see uh to see people rewarded for hard work. And I like to think that when I read something that, uh, that, that person uh, you're, and I'll, I'll, I'll pick you as an example. You're a fantastic writer. And whenever I read something that you've written, it, I'm always, I, I like you, you, especially when you're telling a story, it is just, it's rewarding to, to read that your word choice was careful word choice. It was edited. It was thoughtful. And if you can do it, well, then when it, it's my turn to write something, I'm going to say, oh, you know what? It has to be as good as that thing Merlin did. Because if it's not as good as that thing Merlin did, I need to work harder. I need to edit it more. I need to rewrite it. Because it's possible to achieve what Merlin has achieved in that piece. So why are these people not pushing themselves? And as a byproduct of this, of, of not pushing yourself to, to be the best, of not having an editor who's standing over your shoulder who says, really good piece. I'm going to edit and make it a little bit better. I'm going to then take it back to you and you and I can talk about the changes that we made. You'll be a better writer as a result. Where are the editors? Right. They're just in their booth saying, no, we got to have 14 more articles or no one's going home today. And I feel like this is, this is changing what our expectations are. It's changing what our aspirations are. And I feel like, like maybe I watched the movie Idiocracy too much. But I feel like that, like that's where we're headed. Where is that goal that we're seeking, trying to trying to push ourselves to to be better, trying to be the best that we can be, trying to put the best work out there that we can. Do you think how, how much of it do you think has to do with changing economies about with regard to publishing and yeah. writing? I mean, it it feels, I mean, like it feels easy to say what you're saying and I don't disagree with what you're saying. I mean, I don't read a lot of, I don't 
go to these sites and read these things. So maybe I'm not as exposed as I could be. But, you know, another place you see it sometimes with, with respect is um, any kind of like local and regional writing where whether that's for the local website or one of these various like neighborhood blog kind of things where like there's a, there's a certain kind of um, histrionic, very, you know, emotional, sometimes accusatory. I mean, that, that, to be honest, that, that bugs me more than, than yeah. shitty writing. Oh, is. I like know what you're talking about. Just being, just being awful where there's just a tone like, you know, like, you know, a lot of people love Gawker. I'm not a giant fan of Gawker because it just, it feels mean. Yes. It feels just really, really, really mean. It feels, and so like, I don't, even though there's been some very good writing in Gawker, like there's, I, I, I tend to be more attracted to places where, uh, I'm not saying, and, and, and again, on the other hand, I'm not talking about like, um, upworthy. I'm not talking about like blowing smoke up my skirt writing <laughs> right, either. Right. Um, I'm talking more about like somebody with a point of view who's going to talk about this thing for a little while, whatever that thing ends up being. It'd be nice if it were a point of view about a thing I didn't know a lot about or a thing I do know a lot about, but I didn't know this about. And then to have that in a style that tells me a lot about what the person is writing about and ends up telling me about like who that person is that wrote it without yeah. it being too much of one thing or the other. And like all those things are things that, you know, I think almost all writers aspire to. Most writers want to be entertaining. They want to be informative they want to attract a following of some kind. It's just that the ways various people go about that, um, it can fall short of the mark because, and I'm not saying just because there's not careful editorial control, but I guess what I'm asking is, I mean, it's difficult to find a model for paying all these people to do stuff. And when people don't get paid to do stuff, people who are professional writers, the professional part of writer means that you write for money. So, you know, are there going to be positions where you could count on somebody to behave like a professional writer because they're being paid like a professional writer? Or do you think there's a moral or ethical obligation to write as well as one could write in all situations, regardless of whether there's any dough and time in it? Mm -hmm. as, I, I don't know. I'm not, I, no, I mean, you're well, on, you're on to it for sure. Well, I, I don't think, think anybody right. sets out to want to be a dumbass. I don't think anybody starts <laughs> their day going, how can I, how can I lower the bar today? But you know, but, you know, okay. So like, I was having a conversation with my son last night. I, I don't want to interrupt. Please finish. And no. we'll, we'll circle back. No, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm just, I think there's something to this. You know, you got me at a wrong time. You got me at a time where I'm deliberately trying extremely hard not to hold a position like the one you're holding, unless I really understand why I'm holding it. So the reason I'm struggling with it is, is it isn't just because I don't want somebody to send me a, send me a picture of Grandpa Simpson yelling at a cloud. It's also because I'm trying really hard to understand. I want to understand why people use emoji and whether that could be a good thing for me. And I, I, I'm, I'm concerned that like when we lose the empathy for why other people do what, what, what they do because we don't understand it, we may be on the wrong side of history. So that's where I, that's what I'm struggling with. And I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong or right or anything. I'm just trying to understand because I think, I think I agree with you, but I just want to understand more about your position. So, you, right, you, so you and your son. No, I, and I, and you're making very good points. So last night, um, I guess that uh, was a Monday, Monday night. So sun, Sunday, my son realizes that he uh, hasn't done any of his homework and it's due Tuesday. And we usually do it over the weekend. And I think with Easter and everything else going on, it just slipped all of our minds. And he's like, uh, dad, like we didn't do my homework. <laughs> and we didn't do my homework. Well, I usually hang out with him and I'll sit, he will sit at the dining room table. Usually we'll split it up over the, cause he doesn't like to do the homework during the week. He likes to jam it all in, in the weekend. Oh God. Yeah. So oh he'll, God, that's, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> I know he'll, so he'll sit at one side of the dining room table. I'll sit next to him 
and I'll, you know, I'll have my computer and I'll be typing uh, email or code or whatever. And, and he'll be sitting there doing his homework and he'll say, oh, you know, can you help me with this math problem? And I'll look at it and I'll, I'll say, oh, you know how to do that. And he'll say, yeah, I do. And he'll figure it out or whatever. So we do it. We, we do it together. He's doing 95% of it. Right. And he, of course, he forgot to do it. And I forgot also. So it's Monday and I'm like, okay, you know, like no big deal. Do what you can. And, uh, and you know, I'll, I'll send an email to the teacher and see if we can get an extension on it. He's like, well, I won't get a sticker if I, if I don't turn it in on time. I said, oh. He's like, everyone else will have a sticker. I won't have a sticker. I'm like, well, we forgot it, you know, so we don't get a sticker this time. He's like, all right. And so he's sitting there and doing it, and he's like, I'm not going to have enough time to finish it tonight. You know, this was last night. So he's not going to have his homework today. And I said, uh, I said, you know what? I said, it's okay. I would rather you turn it in late and have it done right than rush through it just to say that it was done and not, not, not really take your time and not really go through it. In fact, I would rather you never turn it in and get a, a, a zero for it than just breeze through it and do it wrong. Hmm. Because turning it in isn't the point. Doing it is the point. Doing your homework and doing it correctly and to the best of your ability, that's the reason that you're doing it. No one ever told me this. I turned in everything like crap when I was a kid. You know, like I just wanted to get it done. I just wanted mm-hmm. to get it done and get it turned in and be done with this stupid class and be done with this stupid grade and done with this stupid school and out through college and on my own. And like, that's all I cared about. And I remember there used to be these people in my college classes who were like really, really, really old. Like they were decrepit. Like they were like 27 years old. And, uh, and, and like they cared about the assignment. They wanted to hear what the teacher had to say. Oh, like the non-traditional age. Yeah. Yeah. They always would do like such flawless work. You'd be like, God, you are such a nerd. (laughs) Right. Like what? Why are you trying so hard? It's just college. And in, 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 in one of these tech doc classes, we were, when we were out doing the, the writing project I was talking about before, like we were supposed to keep these journals on like here's what i've learned and here's what happened in this meeting and here's what the and like journaling about it and like this one dude who is like you know one of these super old 20 something students in there he he was like writing everything like i looked at his journal we were supposed to hand in our journals mine was like three pages long with some like chicken scratch and like a drawing and his was like a 30 page like typed thing and he was like he was like doing it you know like he was in there like making the project count and i was like what's wrong with you don't you just want to get the grade and like get to the next thing but he didn't he wanted to learn something. He was there to learn something. And like, if you know that, that there was so much in that, that I actually took away from that experience and seeing it, but I'm not saying it changed me for the better at the time, but reflecting back on that and reflecting back on like, now, if I was going to buy a book about something, of course, that's how I would want to learn it. Of course, I'm going to make notes in the margins and highlight things and book, you know, fold down the corners of pages and, and make notes on things. And that's, that's how I approach something when I want to learn about it now. You know, I, I, I approach it the way that he was approaching that class and, and probably even more so. And there is, you know, I wish that somebody had tried to reinforce that on me, even in a gentle way when I was a kid, 
of that there's there's value in doing the work. The value is in doing the work and and doing your best work, not on turning the thing in. And I, I totally think what you said makes sense. And, and you're right. I think that there is that changing shift of how much needs to get done. And, and you know, these people might not have the luxury of saying, well, it, it, it's got to be right or I won't put it out there. But, you know, I don't know. I guess I, I, guess I value the sites and, uh, and the writers who, who do take that time to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I don't, I wouldn't protest at all about making that a personal value, if you like. We're like, you know, I, I would, in the, you know, in the early days of writing for the web, it's not like everything I put out was great. I read a lot of stuff that I've, I've written and it's, you know, not embarrassing, but it's not great. But I was, but in, in that context, that was my job and I had to put it out every day and I did the best I could. But, you know, but always in the back of my mind, I had the thought of like, I wonder if this person will ever read it or I wonder if that person will ever read it. And I, I don't want to sound cynical, but that was a big driver. Certainly there was the idea that like, yeah, I, I hope that I put stuff up that doesn't have too many typos. But then there was also a part of me that was, that was always thinking like, you know, I hope I did the best I could with this because yeah. what if this, somebody I really respect were to see this for right, some reason. Right. And um, I mean, that ends up, is that negative reinforcement? I'm not sure. It certainly can be an inspiration because you would say like, you know, this may not be the greatest thing anybody's ever written, but it buoys me to know that it's it's the best that I could do today. And just because it's you get better in the future doesn't mean you shouldn't be trying today. So as far as the personal value stuff, I agree completely. Um, the homework stuff is complicated. Yeah. And I'd be curious to hear what your teacher said when you ask about this, because I got a very different reaction than I expected. I, I told, this is a little bit of a, Side road, but yeah, maybe no, it would be interesting. I'm, I'm well, no, because I, I, we were, we were just. I think I told you, like uh, as recently as like a month ago, it was a, a big source of drama in the house, and nobody was handling it well. Uh, least of all me, because uh, ours is you get, as I've said before, you get. We have, well, she gets a lot of homework for an eight year old kid. She gets, you know, uh, like a three to five pages of worksheet type things that have to be done between Monday and Friday. We've got four nights for that. There's three uh, assignments involving the spelling words that have to be, that are due every alternate Friday. Right. Plus you do a reading log that you have to fill out and turn in every Friday. And, you know, the, the truth is that, at least in my head, like, hey, you know, if you did like a lot of this on Monday and then a fair amount on Tuesday, you'd pretty much be done by Wednesday, no problem. But what we kept getting into was it's Thursday night and we've only done one spelling for the two weeks. That's due tomorrow. You get two spelling things due tomorrow. You got most of the homework due tomorrow and you got the, et cetera. And so it became, there's a lot of tears and, you know, cause kids, any kid could be sensitive, but ours in particular, like she doesn't like, you know, feeling like she's failed at something and I didn't know how else to motivate her. Like I was, I felt like I was doing a bad job at it, but I wasn't sure what else to do except to stand over her. Mm-hmm. And so we asked the teacher about it and I was like, Hey, look, you know, can you give me the secret? We had a, a, a recent conference and we're like, you know, give us the secret decoder key for this because it, this continues like we said last time this continues to be a source of drama and the first thing that surprised me was that it surprised the teacher was somewhat taken aback that it was that big of a deal because she said well actually she's been doing a really good job with this and i was like really because it seems really half-assed to me and like we're crying every thursday night at eight o'clock right, right. i was like well you know what do you what would you advise or what would you suggest like you know and and i she didn't say this in so many words but the impression i got from her was like that, you know, yeah, we want you to do all the homework, but like turn it in, even if it's not all done, but turn in what you've got. Because, you know, 
as we may get to if we have time for this next bit of topic, I mean, one part of failing is having the ability to fail by understanding what failing is. So when we say fail, obviously that has a bad connotation in a lot of ways. But to just to know whether or not you've reached the criteria, there has to be a goal line that everybody understands and agrees to. Like 100 has to mean 100. 50 has to mean 50. Blue has to mean blue. And you have to be able to say to somebody, okay, well, you turn this in and you didn't do half of it. So like we have to talk about that. Like, was it too hard? Was it, was it a time management problem? But a funny thing happened. A very, very funny thing that I am really scared to jinx by even saying this. But uh, I, said, I said to the teacher, like, I, I feel like I'm handling this very poorly. And I, I'm being the heavy. I'm not even good at being a heavy. I'm a mm-hmm. bad heavy. I'm terrible at it. It's not getting done. Everybody's unhappy. And there's a lot of emotion about homework. And right. now basically the entire like two and a half hours, she has to be a kid every day or spent with this thing looming over her. So starting two weeks ago, we tried something different. And um, what we'd said the week before was, we started trying to socialize this idea. We said to our kid, okay, we're going to try a new thing next week. Mom and I and your teacher talked about this and we want to try something, which is that we quit bugging you about homework. But like, you know what your homework is each week, right? And she's like, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it's what we did in class. I've got it. I know what to do. I was like, okay, all right. But just so you know, what what we're going to try starting mostly next week is it's going to be up to you to do the homework and we're going to not bug you about it. We may ask you about it, but we're not going to go make you do homework. That basically this is going to be your project. Long story short. So we did that and I, we mostly got out of the way and I mostly quit bugging her, but, and I, I don't mean to sound like a brag cause I just can't even believe this work. But the first week she got everything done on time by Thursday night. And I was stunned Wow, because we had not been bugging her wow. the week after that. She did her entire week of homework on Monday and had everything for the rest of the week done, uh, I think by Tuesday, all on her own. And I've never felt so incompetent in my life in an, <laughs> an exhilarating way. Because like, is that really what it took? That it was going to take me having the confidence to get out of the way? And you no, know, no, no, the thing is now, you know, the school year ain't over yet. There's going to be weeks probably where this thing goes tits up and we have another Thursday night crying thing, you know, or she's going to, what I fear, the thing in that case is I am making myself a proxy for her where I go, I remember that feeling of going into class utterly unprepared. There's a reason we all have dreams about being naked during test day or whatever. That's a terrible fear a kid has. I'm trying to, I was trying to protect her from that feeling of going into class without the work prepared and then being embarrassed because I didn't like being embarrassed. But that was not, it turns out that that was not helping her. And like for now anyway, for that two, this two week period, who knows how it'll change. All I'm saying is as an experiment, it was really illuminating to me that she actually did better being the person who owned it. And I, I can't believe it worked. I honestly am astonished that it worked. But, you know, so why is she doing that? Is she doing that because she cares about the quality? Is she doing that because she wants independence? I don't know if any of those are even like viable reasons to say why that experience went okay over two weeks. All I do know is me, in that instance, not being negative with her does seem to help. But here's the thing. She's eight. Now, if you're trying to teach somebody to be an automobile mechanic or you're trying to teach them how to be a NASA engineer, like you're going to have to be okay with sometimes telling them, no, that's not good enough. This bridge has to be here after you're dead and still not kill people. That's a lot of responsibility. And you know, we don't always apply that same amount of responsibility to, to writing an article about Facebook. And I, I think that might be part of what you're saying. You have a lot of familial pride and people like your grandfather, the metallurgist, it means a lot to you to do things right. And so you would expect that whatever you do, you're going to do the best you can. Right, right. Is it fair to say that's maybe part of it is like you expect that same high standard that somebody like your grandfather would have? 
Yeah, I mean, may, maybe it comes from that, you know? Maybe that's like the origin of it. I don't know, because I can, I can tell you that the, or in the earlier part of my life, it was very much the, oh, that's good enough kind of philosophy, you know? Totally. Absolutely. I was always doing everything. You should hear Syracuse talk about it. Have you ever talked to him about homework? Like back on Hypercritical? He would do stuff while, like, I, I, this gives me the chills to think about it. He was so allergic to homework. So like, he actually called himself, like he, he referred to it as civil disobedience, as in I'm not going to do this and I'll accept the consequences because homework is so dumb. Can you even imagine John doing that? No. He would sometimes do his homework while it was being passed up to the front of the class. Wow. That gives me the shakes just to think about. Yeah, I mean, that's, I I was in, I was always, uh, so if we got homework in first period, I would do it in second period during the class, and then I would do second period homework during third period, et cetera, so that at the end of the day, I didn't have to take anything home. And I was able to still get good grades because I'm pretty good at, like, listening to something and paying attention and, and doing something else at the same time. So you're smart, you're smart and you synthesize information quickly, which helps. Well, I would, you know, my, and I think I, I assume the teachers always thought I was taking notes uh, or something because I was like looking, but you know, I had a way to like hide the, the textbook in a certain way on the, on the desk, you know, so that it was like hidden. And then I was writing in the folder next to it. And I would have to be careful when the teacher would walk around. I would, you know, shift the paper a little bit so they couldn't see exactly what I was doing. But I, I just never wanted to, and because, mainly because starting at age 13, I always had a job. So almost every day after school, I would be going to work mm-hmm. after. So I really didn't have the time to do it that way. But if, if I was, you know, in the last period of the day, if I had more than, you know, seventh period's homework to do, then I, I had made a huge mistake and I just couldn't, I couldn't stand it. I hated it. I hated it because I would be up forever really late. And I can't imagine doing it that while it's being handed up though. Yeah. There's a couple things to all of this. Oh, did you want to tell me about something else you like? Yes, I would. I would love to, to tell you about Harry's. Harry's, Harry's. Harry's. Did you they, listen to that thing I sent you? Yes. Finally. <laughs> Isn't it great? Is it in the show notes? Huh? Can we put it in the... What do you mean? Put it in the show notes. Uh, the, the the oh, like the the YouTube video yeah, of that guy. Yeah. Oh, we could do that. Sure, sure. Yeah. Who uh, knows reason? <laughs> Harry's. Harry's. You know, it's all we're we are almost uh, done with the month month of March. Uh, but Mar March is special uh, because this is the it's a, month, uh, it's a month of three third month, and it's three years in the mu- month of March that Harry uh, has been celebrated there. It's their birthday, their third birthday. So happy birthday to them. And as a special deal for our listeners to celebrate their birthday along with them, they're giving us a nice uh, little discount for our listeners. So here's what, here's what you do. You go to harrys.com. I'll tell you what they, what they do in a second, but it's H A R R Y S harrys.com. The code you're going to use is comics. And uh, what you'll get is five bucks off. And here's how I suggest you start with this. They have these little like starter packs and they make razors and the razors that they make are awesome. They're five blade German razors. You get the razors, you get a handle, you get shave cream. Normally 15 bucks now, a mere 10 bucks. If you go to harrys.com and use the code comics. But I, I really like this company. It was funny. I went and, uh, and my, uh, my wife had some box it was had been up in our closet and she said, Well, you need to go through this stuff. 
And I found in there my very first Harry's razor. Wow. Yeah. And I've, because I've had, you know, they'll send, they send new ones to us to try out periodically. And, and, you know, because they want us to like see the unboxing experience and everything else. And so I found like the very, very first one. And, you know, it, it's such a cool thing. Like it's hard to believe that it's been three years already, but these things that they make, they're really, really high quality. The the handles are beautiful. The blades are super, super sharp. And people made a, a couple jokes to me because I've got like an amazing, like beautiful, gorgeous beard right now. And people are like, oh, it's an I astonishing guess, beard. I, you know, like, I guess you can't do the Harry spots anymore. I'm like, well, n- no, I, I still can because if you have a, a nice beard, you still have plenty of areas on your face where you need to clean it up and you need a razor to do that. So I'm still using the Harry's razor. So even guys with beards can appreciate mm-hmm. this. And, uh, you know, I mean, there, there are, you know, we talk about the neck, the neck beard thing. I'm, I'm opposed to that from a style for style reasons. Uh, but I, I suppose, uh, even those guys could clean up the little cheek area so like, a little bit you could de-hobo it a little bit by de-hobo. just uh, d- defining the edge a little bit yeah clean it up clean it up so instead of paying 32 dollars for an eight pack of razor blades Ugh. yes you can get them for uh, way 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 less than that you can even get this starter kit you get your razor you get your shave cream you get your three blades for 10 bucks using our code comics at harrys.com h-a-r-r-y-s harrys.com thanks very much to them for supporting merlin man and back to work Harry's. <laughs> I see me three years ago today. Uh, corrections. Um, <laughs> sound like Rutger Hauer. Questions. Um, Archie, the new Archie, is actually done by Mark Wade and Fiona Staples, who are both awesome. Did she just and, do a cover for that then? Uh, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think that was any woo on that though. She was doing something else. And also Jughead is Chip Zdarsky and it's uh, Erica Henderson. Just to clarify. Sorry if I got that wrong. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, uh, I think about these things a lot. I do. And you know what I think about, I mean, in terms of the whole like, oh my God, you know, like I watched Idiocracy last week. I still think it's great. There are a lot of people who don't like that movie. I think that movie's impossible to unsee. If for no other reason, then doesn't each of us like, it's not just a matter of thinking everybody else is dumb, but isn't there some, this is a very John Roderick kind of thing, but like, is there some part of you that worries that you don't really know how an engine works? That like, if you had to fix your car, like, could you fix your car? I could not fix my car. Like idiocracy makes me worry about me. Right. Cause I realize there's so much where like the, the so many great jokes in that movie, but like when he first, and he's walking around uh-huh. and you see the building with the flashing 12 clock on it. Yeah. Well, like there's all kinds of things in my life that I wouldn't know how to do. Like if I didn't have all of these assistive things, right? Like what you know, we don't want that information to go away. We don't want the idea of that you know of craftsmanship to go away. But yeah, I, I mean, I I had a friend who I used to work for him at, at his company, and it was a technology company. And at some point, I don't know what what happened. If he just woke up feeling this way one morning, but he kind of he kind of said, you know what? He kind of got like the prepper vibe happening where he's like you know what like this world around us is all going to come to an end i want to be one of those people who has value to the post-apocalyptic future that we are inevitably going to face (laughs) and he took it like very seriously and he so he basically stopped 
running his company. Like he put it in the hands of the people who were working for him. I had left the company by then. And he like went and became an EMT so that he could learn essentially like how to fix broken bones and how to resuscitate people. And, and he, I believe he actually like was a working EMT for a while and he did that. And like, he learned about, you know, like he, he was always kind of an outdoorsy kind of guy. Like he'd go hunting with his dogs and sleep in the back of his truck kind of guy anyway. But you know, he like took it to the next level and like got really good at like camping and living out and eventually like bought like a farm with animals on it. And that's like what he's doing now. Like he's, you know, like butchering animals and other things like living in, you know, in that kind of a way. And I am a thousand million percent with you on the fact that, you know, although I, I know that I would not be able to fix my current car, I could fix an older car, but I couldn't fix my current car. You know, like there's stuff around the house. I can fix a lot of stuff around the house, but like I couldn't, build a house you know from scratch i could probably build a, a shelter that would last a couple days at best and like that yeah. sucks that really well, sucks I, i'm trying to think about what it is that i love so much about that movie because i don't know i i, I I'm, I'm fine to stand alone in how much i love idiocracy but no i like part, that movie part of, part of what makes it funny is that i think i think the rap that that movie gets perhaps fairly is that it's just it's just beating up on these perceived dumb people or poor people, right? Oh, that it's classist, and that basically you know, all these people who go to Costco are idiots, and that they don't have any taste, you know, and that they're all these kind of like curs. Um, but like, I think the part if you think about think about the um, when uh, not me goes to the uh, no, what's his name? I'm not sure when he goes to the um, to the emergency room. And like you see, like the little floor sweeper, uh -huh. like he's hitting your floor is clean now. Your floor, like I think to, to, the reason I appreciate that movie so much. Great characters, like just fun. It's where I fell in love with Terry Crews, you know, as President Camacho. But like, it, yeah, part of it is that like everything's kind of like stupid, and by stupid I mean uh, you're you, you're dumb and you don't even know what you don't know. Like that's you know. Yeah. stupid but there's also like i don't know if this is exactly the right word but what i would think of as as ignorance which is you're actually kind of happy about how much you don't know it's like you know deliberate dumbassery so you know hurry up you know hurry up asshole like all that kind of stuff that people are always yelling but um but the other one is incompetence that's what makes the movie funny is the idea of like it's it's stupidity and it's ignorance but it's the incompetence that's actually hilarious when justin long is supposed to be a doctor yeah like right <laughs> <laughs> It's cool, man. <laughs> I'm afraid she's a tard. Yeah, she's a pilot now. Right. <laughs> like there's something like, but like, if it's just mean about people who aren't very smart or, or aren't very bright or aren't very self-aware, like that's just mean and punching down. But the part that makes it funny is that like everybody thinks everything's fine and they wouldn't even know how to fix it if they wanted to. And that's the part that makes that movie painful to me right. is when, when I see a young man or a young woman doing the kind of in parlance bro speak or up talk at the end and doing all that. Like mm -hmm. I understand that's how people talk now and that's okay. Right. I hope you find a way in the right formal settings. I hope you find a way to shed that by the time you're 25 or 30. I hope you know you're doing it 
because I am not looking forward to a world where that is the way people regard it. We, we would regard it as smart talk. Yes. And if that makes me feel snooty, like that's okay. Cause I'm an old guy and I'm allowed to be a little bit snooty, <laughs> but I mean, part, part of it is like, it's one thing to be able to code switch to different groups and be able to fit in. And we all act certain smarter, dumb ways, depending on who we're with. I, I like, you know, being goofy with people, but like, I also want to be aware of when, well, you know, when I can uh, turn it on, turn it off. And that's, I think when, when, when people like you and me look down our nose and go, oh, that kind of writing is really poor and not up to a standard. Like part of the, I, I talked about this a little bit on the next step episode of Top Scallops. I think like sometimes when I'm being harsh about culture, you know, that's internet culture or American culture or whatever, it's also me yelling at myself and worrying that I'm not living up to my own standard. For and sure, will, for sure. And will, and will I know the difference when I'm not? And that's a scary idea. It's, you know, like when we all get old, we worry about when, when are they going to put you in the home? And like, will you even know it's coming? Right. And so like, you know, as you, you reach a point where you like, you get to that point in life where you get to be real arrogant. In my experience, usually around 26, you get to be very arrogant about how everything's going. And you think you understand the world. You get into your thirties, you think you're, you're, you're pretty wise, but it takes a while to really get your ass handed to you and to develop a certain amount of humility and to develop a certain amount of like that, where you start having to like wear that millstone of how much you thought you used to understand everything, even though you never really did. And that's the part uh, that I, I think is, is so fascinating is, and it's what's making me so interested in the idea of like empathy and trying to hear what other people actually think or believe rather than what I imagine they think or believe, which is a lot harder than I expected. But I'm not sure what that has to do with writing. But I think that's part of it is like you think about your, your kids in their future. And I would love my kids like who's going to be who's going to be the next Doris Lessing? Who's going to be the next James Thurber? Like who's going to be the next people that we love? And it doesn't just have to be white people who write. But like, you know, I hope that I mean, you could even look at somebody like a Kanye West or a Jay-Z and like go, oh, my God, that is some of the best art that's been made in a really, really long time. But I still hope that like without being stuck with the pretensions and canons of of white Western culture, I hope there will still be people who hold themselves, hold themselves to a high standard, whether that's LCD sound system or, uh, or whether that's Radiohead or like whoever it is, I hope there's still people out there who are pushing themselves to make the best thing they can, even if they could have made something easier. I, I love what you just said. I don't think I have anything to, to add. Um, one recommendation, I need to do some digging to find out the name of it. It was either an episode of Twilight Zone or Outer Limits the original uh, series, but there was this wonderful episode and I, I guess I'm going to spoil it. It's still fun to, to watch where I guess a guy gets a chance to make a wish. He's a struggling writer and he makes a wish. He says, I wish I were the best writer in the world. And somehow his wish is granted and he writes and he reads what he's writing and he says, doesn't seem any better. But he then gives it to some people and, and people are saying this is the best thing that they've ever read. It's, it's the best writing ever. And now he's doing better and better. And, and, and at some point he says, you know what, I'm going to go back and he wants to read the, the classics. And I forget if it's a Shakespeare or something that he pulls off the shelf to read. <laughs> it's some great thing. And, and it's written literally the way a five-year-old would write. It's, <laughs> you know, so instead of his writing, they just, move, they just move the bar, move the bar down. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, I almost like that's what occurred to me when you were talking about not knowing it, you know, not knowing in, in ourselves as we try to improve or as we try to, to do the things that we do and be better at those things, uh, that it's, you know, it is a, um, it is, it is a big challenge to have that ability to look at ourselves as well. 
Well, it's, a, it's, it's absolutely a struggle. And we didn't get to your topic that you wanted to talk about, which I think is a very interesting topic. We touched on it a little bit, but you know, maybe one way to sketch it widely, whether you're talking about kids or other young people <laughs> is like, you know, well, I guess we should save it for another time, but yeah, I'm interested in that. I'm interested in that idea of like where you put the goalposts and then say like, well, just because I like you, do we move the goalpost or do we understand that like part of this is, you know, it's funny, like people have been talking a lot about, um, you know, the Apple case where, you know, the FBI, right. it seems kind of obvious now that the FBI was doing this as a test case, as a way to say like, well, how much can we get away with in terms of like changing precedent with how we do this? But the interesting thing is, you know, just because they didn't win the test case at this point doesn't mean that it wasn't a test case and it doesn't mean it'll be the last test case, right? It's an, it reminds me of like Seinfeld, of Seinfeld when, uh, when Kramer claims he's going to remodel his apartment and yeah. Jerry bets him there's no way he's going to remodel it. Mm-hmm. And, and Kramer's like, he's like, well, how's it going with the remodeling? And Kramer's like, oh, I'm not going to do that. He goes, ha I win the bet. He goes, no, I didn't remodel it. He goes, yeah, that's the bet. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. And like, if like, you know, you know, whether you want to raise a, raise a good kid or, or, or train and mentor somebody to be a great writer or even above average writer, like there's going to have to be times when you say things that aren't yay you. Right. I don't I like, I, I like hearing yay you personally, but did you have another sponsor this week, Dan? Yeah. Let me tell you about Wealthfront. It's an oh, automated. Let me tell you about Wealthfront, Dan. Let me tell you all about it. Let me tell you all about it. It's an automated investment service. They are managing about $3 billion in client assets. And what, what basically they do in plain English is they make it possible for anyone, regardless of how much money you're investing, it could be a little bit, could be a whole lot. You get access to sophisticated, diversified, long-term investment strategies. These guys have put together, they've taken the best algorithms. They've taken the, the smartest human beings on the planet. You can look into that and check it out. Exercise for listener. They have taken this and they have built a system that allows you to invest some money and they rebalance it constantly, all the time, rebalance it. Oh, this, this index fund isn't working that good. Fine, we'll move it into this one. That one didn't do, fine, we'll move it over here. Always, always, always increasing, increasing, increasing. That's their goal. And they do it in a way that's fully automated. So you can, you can do what is the, the ultimate dream. The way I personally would like to invest is you kind of put some money over there in the, in, in, in the bucket and then somehow it just becomes more money. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to research it. And you get access to this kind of smarts in the way that people in the past, before Wealthfront, you would have to pay more than like at least 1% per year in management fees. So you think, well, 1% is not that bad. It actually adds up really fast. It actually adds up really, really fast. And uh, with these folks, you don't have that limit. It's 0.25%. For all the money that you invest, normally it's $15,000. They manage that for free with us, 10000 But only if you go to the special URL, wealthfront.com slash five by five. The nice thing about Wealthfront is... They cover, you know, they're going to keep covering that same amount for you. If, you. if you make more than that, you pay on that. But that initial fee, the initial amount that they cover, you're still not going to pay the fees on that. It's amazing. It's a great deal. Go check it out. Wealthfront.com slash five by five. Your first $15,000 will be managed for free. And you know what? If you refer somebody else to this service, they get a little bonus for you in that. It's like it's like a, a friendship thing. So go check it out. Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 Thanks, Wealthfront. Buck, buck. Oh, Dan, we ran long on this one. I know. 
We'll uh, we'll circle back with your. Uh, I have a whole your, topic prepared. Yeah, we didn't talk about the pods either. Isn't that? Oh, we got to start pods? with the pods next time. Oh, brother! I'll read more about the pods. I'll read more about the pods. I'll, I'll read pod more people. about uh, writing and people. Pod people. Um, but no, we've gone too long. We got to button this up. Thank you to everybody uh, for uh, for tuning in. Thank you to all of our sponsors, and thank you to the Hamilton Beach Company. Can I just say? <laughs> I want a photo. I would like for you to see a photo of your handiwork. No, no, no. This this photo is prettier. But I just I just would like to say Hamilton Beach. Thank you very much for the dual breakfast sandwich maker. It's been a game changer. That's model 25490. Let's button this up. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.